Hey, everybody. Welcome to the SmackDown 6 podcast. I am your host, Matt Vaughn. My guest co-host today is first time ever. We're returning guest. We've got Will Vaughn. How you doing, Will? I'm doing tremendous, Matt. Uh, thanks for asking me back on the show. I'm very happy to be here. Beautiful. So good. We got to talk to you uh, in the inaugural episode, which was great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll have you on <laughs> dozens more times, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, as we who get knows? As you get into SmackDown. So Who today knows? we're going to be talking about SmackDown episode 158. It mm. was aired on August 22nd, 2002. Uh, but first we're going to talk about uh, last week's episode. Just as a recap for all those uh, who it might have been a while ago that you watched it. So last week's episode, Matt Hardy made his SmackDown debut. Yes, uh, Brock, Brock Lesnar bested Rikishi. Uh, Kurt Angle and Mark Henry had a surprisingly good match, which may yes. have been my highlight, like a shockingly mm-hmm. good match. Yeah, uh, we had our first SmackDown Six only tag match with Edge and Rey Mysterio going up against the future Los Guerreros, yes. and The Rock pinned Chris Benoit as Brock Lesnar watched on. So that yes. was that was last week. Now we're gonna get into meanwhile on Velocity. So before every SmackDown for I don't know for a long period of time, they always showed uh, always taped Velocity first. So the first thing that this crowd saw on this when they shot shot on a Tuesday. Uh, was an episode 14 of Velocity. First off, was on commentary, which is a very random occurrence. Yeah, okay. we, I'm getting a face now from Will, which makes no sense, and I agree. She just came out, and I was like, this, she's not there. I don't even know. <laughs> Look at yeah. She's there. I, is she injured at this point? She I, looks I, fine. I she, I okay, maybe she, maybe she was getting over her Dark Angel injury. That happened in Vancouver, B.C., by the way. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. she was shooting a show called Dark Angels. Is that what it was? Shooting... Yeah, James Cameron's Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba, shooting it in uh, Vancouver, B.C., and she was doing this uh, episode about, um, I think she was playing a wrestler or something, and, and they, they, they did a, like a Huracrana, and uh, her and a stunt woman, and, and unfortunately it was botched, and she landed, landed on her head. And I feel like you, I've heard, it, like, I think, um, what was his name? Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe had mm-hmm. an injury, and I think it was also... He was a wrestler doing a wrestling move with a stunt man, and I feel like they should stop doing that with non wrestlers. Oh, he was on. He was on a show. He was. It was. You know what? I think it was a commercial for, like, a video game. Either oh, the, wow. the either the WWE Two K whatever one that came out a year ago that everybody completely hated, or Battlegrounds, whichever one it was. So that's what I, that's what I remember hearing. And I think people, I think I think the ad came out. He saw some Mojo go through a table, put something through a table, and people were like, "Oh, that's probably where he got hurt." <laughs> Which totally well, sucks. Well, at least they used it in the final cut. Yeah, you know, exactly. if, if like I was going to get injured, I'd, I'd want it to make the final cut. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so at least is uh, lead is on commentary. Yeah, and, and so it was a um, it was a James Cameron TV show. So I assume every episode was two and a half hours. It was two and a half hours, and then um, what was weird is that it was ten years between episodes. Yeah, <laughs> had to, just had to dunk on James Cameron whenever I can. Great movies, they're interminable. All right, so uh, first match saw uh, Mark Henry defeating Mike Awesome with a power slam. I'm totally fine with a power slam. As Mike a Awesome. Movie. Uh, of uh, the backstage segment uh, from three weeks ago when they're all right. just sitting around <laughs> called out of the job Monday Night Raw. <laughs> yeah, former ECW champion gets just just obliterated by Mark Henry. No big deal. No, not going anywhere. Collecting a paycheck. Poor Mike Awesome. Tajiri beat Funaki with a buzzsaw kick. Buzzsaw kick looks really good, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Tajiri's kicks are good. News at eleven. Oh, you know? very, very much. Yes, yeah, very much so. Uh, and uh, I guess that is that what relegated Funaki to number one announcer status. I mean, I think if I recall correctly, Funaki pinned Tajiri in a tag match the week before, oh, which I felt yeah. great for Funaki in that situation. That's right. Um, yeah, I um, just 
quick, quick spoiler alert, uh, Funaki uh, draws my ire in this uh, SmackDown episode we're about to do. <laughs> Um, and then, okay, then then Velocity has a whole why. segment that's a bunch of business, and I need to I need to relate it to you first. So okay. there's a match here between Chuck and Hardcore Holly. I'm calling him Chuck okay. because he only goes by Chuck. He's not Chuck Palumbo. No, just uh, or, Chuck. They may call him that, but he's definitely brand. He's definitely showed up as Chuck, former so Chuck, U.S. serviceman Chuck. Yes, uh, is that true? Is that is that like a real? He actually was in the in the army. I, well, Taz, I should uh, keep talking. Taz did okay. mention that a week before, I believe. Okay, I, I believe that's true, because it would make zero sense for them to make that up in character. They, they would not do that. Yeah, yeah. When his character is gay man. Yeah. Yes. Like, I don't think there's anything more nuanced than that. He's just a homosexual gentleman. <laughs> that's that's it. That's, that's, a, that's his character. Was. Yeah. Blue blonde hair. So Chuck beat Hardcore Holly because Billy Gunn ran in and used a did a Cobra Clutch Slam, which looks really great, can I just say, as well. I know he got over with the famous or but a couple times during this run, I've seen Billy Gunn use a Cobra Clutch Slam, and it looks dynamite. He gets them up. He whips them down. It looks totally sick. So then after the match, Randy Orton comes out to the aid of Hardcore Holly. And this is Randy Orton when he is just a regular baby face, like totally the same vein as the John Cena we've seen on recent weeks of SmackDown. Just like, hey, come on, man. Not cool. Kind is of he thing. wearing the blue, the blue uh, trunks, or is he wearing uh, – Yes. He's got the yeah, little – but he's like – yeah, it's like the bicycle short sort of thing. Yeah. And he's got the, the hair is floppy, and so mm-hmm. he he has a match against Billy Gunn, and you know turnabout is fair play because Hardcore Holly runs in to do an Alabama slam on Billy Gunn to get the win for Randy Orton. So the exact uh, same finish takes place dang. twice, but the, the roles are swapped. So mm. Randy Orton, his legend killer status begins by killing the legendary tag team wrestler of Billy Gunn. <laughs> it's a little well, bit of a joke because I, I on a on an episode of AEW uh, Dynamite um, a couple months ago. Tony Schiavone just casually said, oh, Billy Gunn, who is, we all know, is a wrestling legend. And I was like, Billy Gunn's a legend? Yeah. And I mean, like, he had a bunch of tag team uh, titles. And uh, Tudor, I feel like you, anybody worth their salt could get, like, 15 of those. But it's just funny to hear Tony Schiavone be like, oh, we all know he's a legend. I'm like, please don't hand wave that. Well, he came back, too, uh, you know, a couple years ago with uh, Road Dog and won another uh, tag team championship. So outside of the Attitude Era. Yeah. It was much be- harder. To be totally clear as well, Billy Gunn, when he wrestled in AEW, is uh, five inches taller than every other wrestler they have on the roster. Still <laughs> incredible shape. Looks amazing. He, yes. Yeah. He's he an athlete. Yeah. He can still bump. But he's not like, I don't know. He's not Mick Foley, right? Like, let's not, let's not get carried away. Right. So that was Velocity. So if you want to see some, like, legitimate with, like, things happening, people running in. Uh, I don't know if there's a ref <laughs> bump or not. But, like, things are happening on Velocity, folks. They're, These folks they're making here, a show of it. They're making yeah. a go of it. The yeah. folks in Fayetteville, North Carolina, are seeing some stuff. And that's where we find ourselves this week. Uh, this episode of SmackDown, like I said at the top, SmackDown 158, August 22nd, 2002. It was taped, obviously, on the Tuesday, August 20th. Location is the Crown Coliseum in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I feel like I've only ever heard of Fayetteville in the context of Southern wrestling, pretty much. Yes. Like, I, don't know, I, don't know it, like, I don't know how where it kind of fits in with anything else. Kind of a smaller uh, building, too. It seemed pretty obvious from the outset. Like, this is a little location. It's smaller, and the hard camera's on the opposite side. So it's mirrored to what it usually is on television. Thank, uh, you. Thank so, you for that, because that that's always an interesting thing. Because It's interesting to you me. You either notice yeah. you don't. I didn't notice it, which makes me feel insane. Uh, and I, yeah, I noticed it, and I also noticed, Matt, that I'm doing another North Carolina episode, because the SmackDown from uh, August 1st was in Charlotte. Yes. Well, okay, so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to that in a minute, because there's some okay. interesting, the geographic stuff is weird here, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Every week, I'm also going to highlight the TV rating that this does because every now and then, SmackDown, which is firmly a B show to Raw, 
will beat Raw some weeks, which I think is a testament to why SmackDown was better and why it's worth doing a podcast about them. I'm mostly doing this to justify the time I'm putting into this. So that's what's go. happening here. So yeah. next week's episode from Fayetteville, North Carolina, we got the beautiful people intro. Uh, I realize there's so much Rikishi in it. <laughs> we talked about and there's Rikishi. Taz in it too, but like yes. Taz, like yes. Um, I mean, he's not doing anything, but it's like he he um, he's featured as much as all the other. Uh, yeah, uh, wrestlers I mentioned this are. last week on the podcast. And yeah, it's Taz is weirdly featured as though he is a wrestler and not like I mean, like if Jerry Lawler was like prominently like on Raw. It's totally, it's I mean, totally he, strange. He's still such a funny choice for a commentator for me. I mean, he's yeah, I think he's great, uh, but he's just like from from how his character started to how oh the gosh, man himself yeah. ended up as a, a commentator. So he looked too good in this Smackdown intro, you know mean mugging dude with the sunglasses on yeah he it's it is totally he, he's definitely two kind of totally different people where you're like it's not even like he doesn't even have an edge of like if you got him mad he would become the taz we all know it's like no he's really just uh, <laughs> he's not detached per se but like he his whole vibe is very uh he's everything's kind of fun or he's kind of got the excited you know kind of kind of a, a tony romo-esque kind of like oh i'm enjoying being able to see this good quality stuff up close sort of thing yeah it's so. nice to watch it and not get hurt doing it yeah, exactly. So good for Taz, who is again. It's so strange that he's featured in there, and I, some week we're going to notice that he's gone, and it'll make sense. Or he's there. Or maybe, the whole time. They'll, or maybe they'll throw Michael Cole in there too, mean mugging at the camera. Oh, I love that. Just Turn like up. five shots of Michael turning around, shadowy things. His 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 spiked hair and uh, yeah, the, the the bleach tips. No, he doesn't. I don't think he does the bleach. The, the uh, I think he, I think he grew those out, but he's yeah, still traffic. wearing like oddly very casual clothing for every episode. That's so much. Yeah. Uh, so Considering how much grief he gave um, poor, uh, what's his name, from uh, the Indianapolis Colts when he had at WrestleMania a couple years ago. Did you hear about that? Uh, no. What was okay. that? Okay. Remind me. I'm terrible with names. Remind me who Adam Cole faced in an uh, NXT TakeOver. McAfee. Pat McAfee. Yeah. Uh, kind of wrestling adjacent for a while. He's invited to WrestleMania a couple years ago, and he showed up wearing, I believe it was like a tuxedo jacket and like. And like shorts, right? Formal shorts. And yes, so apparently yeah. before it started, Michael Cole was like. Went off him on him backstage. It was like, you can't go out there. You're being, you're joking. This is rude. I don't like it. And Pat McAfee went up to Vince McMahon. He's like, I, I've seen people dress like this. Like I've seen like this football players. Thing. Yeah. And Vince was like, ah, oh, all right. And like kind of overruled. <laughs> so the idea that Michael Cole was at his job dressed casually, you know, 20 years later, he would not stand for such, such a thing. Yes. Uh, so I, I feel like it's a bad sign for the crowd that the show immediately begins with a SmackDown pop, which is the, cla- <laughs> the uh, fake, <laughs> crowd noise they do so the moment the power goes off they do a fake crowd noise which yeah it was quick quick trigger figures there so like I, we, we got talked about briefly before it's funny to me there's no geographic consistency with these shows at all like i, I in my mind i always assume ron smackdown are kind of snaking around the country going east to west north to south everything kind of makes sense they're in corpus christi one week they're in austin the next well, yeah week the week before after. Yes, exactly. Well, well the me, shows me... were together, I think, that, that week before, right? I Cause... think so, but last week they're in Seattle. This yes. week they're in North Carolina, and on Sunday they're in Long Island, New York. Yeah. Those are not close together at no. all. No. There was no desire to save money on travel. Doing no, this. not really. They, they just drove the trucks. As, yeah. the, the, the trucks went way across country. It was, it was yes. insane. I mean, it's possible, I guess, they might be doing like house shows and things like that, like in Tucson in between. But like, you truly have to go <laughs> completely in between these things. It's it's totally I think, crazy. I think they go right up to New York after this. Cole, I didn't write it down, but Cole does give a bunch of uh, dates for things. Oh, that's right. I should pay more attention to those like, the house show things. And they're like, oh, yeah, Brock Lesnar is going to be at a, a Sam's Records to sign T-shirts. Yeah. 
Uh, I love that so much. The, the, yes. uh, just just the idea that someone's going to promote a house show is so delicious to me. So right um, off the bat, I have yeah. to mention one thing that's very, um, yeah. you know, Taz has lots of isms, you know, big ups. Uh, big ups. So for, for SummerSlams, is obviously the, the um, you know, the, the SummerSlam go-home show. Taz says SummerSlam is going to be a rocket buster. A rocket buster. I think it's what he says. Either that okay. bro- rocket I, 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 buster I, I, or Bronco buster. I totally but I think believe it's what it. he says. Yes, Michael Cole can almost taste it. Taz says it's going to be a, <laughs> a rocket buster, whatever that means. Anyways, yes, Matt, we have a SmackDown pop right, yeah. right off the top. If we had three hours, we would try to break down what a rocket buster is. Uh, there's a sign in the crowd that reads "Brock is a crock," which I think means nothing. That doesn't mean anything. Crock of what? I don't know. There's nothing to maybe that. maybe uh, maybe Taz says a crocket buster, like Davy Crockett. I don't know. Right. Maybe like Crockett, like the old Crockett territory. <laughs> it's gonna bust up whatever Crockett. those guys did in the eighties. Well, yeah. they had. Well, yeah, they kind of got they kind of got busted twice, guys, in the late eighties when they, uh, they had to sell the Turner, and then when Turner and AOL came together, and uh, they had to bust them again. So yeah, so, the sign says Brock is a Crock. There's also a sign that says Brock ate my family with a picture of like a South Park picture of Brock with his head kind of cut open and legs coming out of his mouth, and throughout the show. Uh, hard camera kind of uh, to the viewer's left, there's a yeah. sign that says, that's, now that's entertainment. And I don't know if that, I honestly don't know if that sign is a plant or someone just had it yeah. and it's like, yeah. It's like a, it's like a SmackDown versus Raw game or like a WWE 2K game where it's like, yeah, like, bring the SmackDown. I would love that. <laughs> I would love to have been given a sign at a live SmackDown where like, like somebody some intern backstage has to make like a bunch of like like triple h is the game so, <laughs> just, oh, the most generic not clever inspired things ever brock and paul Heyman come out to start the show yeah uh, brock has like a pretty obvious cut on his forehead which looks rough i don't know if you noticed that it looks like, well it's not like a cut it looks like a cat scratched him well it's like it looks cut but it's not deep I feel like it might have been from like a punch at a house show or something like that. Cause it looks like the kind of thing where like, you're kind of like, it's like a contusion to, to <laughs> fingernail got him or something. Maybe he's just like thinking really hard and he's, yeah. he's so strong that he scratched a hole right through his own forehead. Yeah. He was trying to think of, <laughs> I was trying to think of, but I, it's funny to me that he has this very noticeable cut. They do not mention it at all. And I don't believe that it is. in fact, the result of blading. He's also kind so, of thin skinned though. Cause he does like throughout his career later on, especially he does yeah. kind of just like start bleeding a lot from time to time. It's kind of convenient as a wrestler though. So just be like, actually naturally, I just like my body blades. It's like, Rick's that's done like, yeah. that before. He's got a problem where he just hits himself in the head and he starts bleeding. Such a crazy. I should try. Uh, maybe I should try that. I just haven't tried. That's don't my problem. Try that. No. Yeah. No. So Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman starts talking about the rock and the the crowd starts chanting Rocky. And I really mm-hmm. enjoyed Brock actually starts chanting it with them, which I liked. He's, <laughs> he's, he's also swept up in the moment. Yeah. But then Paul Heyman says, you know, he's actually what I'm saying about the rock is what people used to say about Hulk Hogan, which caught me off guard and is a totally genius way to frame a promo because he's, he totally sets you up to be like, I get it. He's just kind of a generic promo on the rock. And he's like, no, no, he's, he's not promising that that's going to happen. He is explaining something that did happen, which is that, Hulk killed Brock on SmackDown. Or sorry, Brock killed Hulk Hogan on SmackDown two weeks ago. And I was yeah, like, but he's, Yeah. And he's mentioning of Hogan or of Rock. He's like, he's going yeah. to Hollywood. He's getting featured on Entertainment Tonight. And you're like, okay, yeah. okay. And then yes, you're right. I thought it was a very good way to frame that. Yeah. And it's 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 one of those things where I'm like, oh right, doing a good promo is art. And I've seen so many not that interesting promos. And when you do something like that where you can actually like it's I don't know, it's like speech writing or something too. Like there's all sorts of different 
aspects to it that are totally impressive to me. Yeah, and uh, a couple things during that promo when he says entertainment tonight, that gets a, a mini SmackDown pop, and also the undisputed <laughs> the Mary Hart gets pop a, gets a mini sp- mini SmackDown pop. Yeah, Mary Hart demanded that they throw that in there. You need to do it, or else she's not going to go to the Dodgers games anymore. <laughs> so, at one point, I'm I'm watching this promo and I think uh, I'm looking at Brock, and I think. Is there anybody at all who is like a, like a comparison to Brock as a wrestler, as like a person? And my mind goes to like, okay, what if like Psycho Sid, Sid Justice could like wrestle, actually wrestle? Yeah. It's like, I don't, there's just no one close. Like the, the size, the athleticism, the look, like he really, I mean, I get why they treat him as a once in a generation kind of athlete because he's so impressive. Uh, he's yeah, and he's like he's and he's baby Brock here too. So like yeah. he's still like he's young. He's like twenty four or five or something. Yeah, he's pretty strong, but he's not as I don't know if he's gonna as big as he's gonna get at some point. Uh, he's very young, and this is what I was thinking about Brock. You know, it's interesting yeah. we're watching these shows and seeing where people um, started and where they end up. And uh, you know, Brock's obviously a huge star, um, but. Rock, you know, was a huge star as well, but he went to Hollywood and he basically stopped getting beat up. Uh, John Cena did the same thing. Batista did the same thing. Uh, You know, Edge, to a certain degree, did the same thing. And and they all come back from time to time. But Brock is a pure athlete that just stuck with athletics. Yeah. The reason he left is because he wanted to play football and he never played football before. Yeah. And then he wanted and then he and then he went to MMA, but he also did uh, pro wrestling in Japan, too. But he like just stayed in sports like I don't think Brock's ever been on a TV show or been on a movie as an actor. Has he? I don't think so. I mean, the closest thing I can think of is uh, when he F5 that shark in the SummerSlam uh, for this year's SummerSlam. (laughs) I actually am quite upset that I haven't seen that particular ad um, is that for next year's maybe? Is it the 2003 SummerSlam they do? Oh, maybe it is because he's more of a baby face there, isn't he? I think maybe. Um, I, th- I believe yeah. he might turn heel around that time. But yeah, no, it's true. Like I, I think. Brock yeah, Brock started with that athletics. Yeah, he's just that's that's the way that's the way world makes sense to him. So, yeah. Like, uh, even Paul, Kurt did some movies. Yeah, that's true. Although hey, Kurt also has some of the goods, more personality and mic wise, which is fine. Yeah, Brock still. Um, Brock still. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's all right. He's amazing in his own way. So Paul Heyman promises that before the night is over, he guarantees that Brock and Rock will collide. And That's the right. commentators are like, whoa, as if that doesn't uh, happen literally before every pay-per-view. Like the, <laughs> the idea that they wouldn't touch would be like, that's part of a storyline. I think for ratings, though, yeah, I think that's why he did it was being like, it's going to oh, yeah. happen. I just love so it. I'm fine with what that. What are the teaser? We're just going to tell you it's going to happen. Yeah. The commentators being like, you mean to tell me these guys are going to fight each other? <laughs> it's like, okay. You guys want to get a taste? Like, I watch. get a taste of yeah. We gonna get a taste of SummerSlam here tonight in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Oh my gosh! So so that's um so Brock gets on the mic. He's gonna he says he's gonna make Rock cry like a bit little bitch, which yeah. I appreciate. That's Good. right. And so that gets the Rock to come out. He's pacing. He's worked up. Oh, he's pacing. He's, he's pacing, pacing all over that stage. Yeah. As I'm watching him pace, I'm thinking, if I were a wrestler, I don't think I'd walk on top of anywhere that there's pyro, even if it wasn't supposed to go off when I was out there. I think there's just too much potential for getting lit on fire. I yeah. that, that would go through my mind, too. It's happened. It's happened yeah. to wrestlers right. before. So I think it there would be too much on Again, I also have to highlight just how great the Undisputed title looks. It's amazingly good. I feel like there's no belt that really looks like it either. Like, I don't think there's any like really good kind of one-to-one comparisons to that belt. Uh, I'm glad that it got bigger over time as well because it looks really good on Rock at this size. Yeah, it looks huge even in his hands, and it looks really good, even though yeah. he's just kind of dragging it along. But it looks really good. 
That is the way Rocket loves to drag the title. So Rocket's some back-to-back SmackDown pops here as he talks, which I appreciate. It's the more he says uh, he's going to bring it to you. And the Brock is in the ring. Yeah, very worked up. He is Mm -hmm. very like he's 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 getting excited about it. So. Um, so, so rock tosses the belt away to make good on this whole rock and rock will collide. They're going to immediately fulfill that promise. Yeah. And then, I love this. I, I, a genuine moment of surprise for me when this happened. And I'm hoping to get more of these, even though I've for sure have seen these shows before, it's just been years. Um, Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero show up and attack the rock instantly. Jump them right from behind. Mm-hmm. So Benoit locks a cross face on the ramp. And I'm realizing that this whole time has been kind of a mini feud between Rock and Benoit. Like mm-hmm. Benoit made Rock tap in a tag match. Uh, ben- Rock beat Benoit last week. Uh, and I just love the idea that there's like, I think that's something you can do is you can have these bigger feuds that are happening. And then you can also have the, re- the, the champion getting decent wins off of decent guys, making them look good part of the way through as well. Well, and Ben was a champion uh, in and of himself as well, being the Intercontinental Champion. It's true, and I think that's also a, like I think it's also a result of them like being like, well, Benoit can't like attack RVD on SmackDown because Rob Van Dam is not there. So I think that's also part of it. Yeah, that's a weird kind of thing where Rob's uh, contract didn't get delivered the week before. Gosh, I love that. Just the most convoluted. <laughs> like, I, there's no way you guys planned this out beforehand, and then you have Stephanie delivering. Eight lines. Oh my gosh, so good. Oh, hey, folks, if you haven't seen it, go back and watch last week's show where Stephanie McMahon explains the most convoluted excuse for drama on SmackDown at all time. So Michael Cole says, like scavenger, like vultures and scavengers, they're beating the hell out of the Rock, which is weird because vultures do not beat things up. It's not. It's not a good comparison. Yeah, you're right. They just kind of <laughs> pick up bones, don't they? Yeah, I would say like if they beat him up and then Brock came over and kicked him, I would say he's being more like a, a vulture. And then Cole again calls him scavengers. He doubles down on it. So he's that has been that has been in his ears. Vince McMahon is saying, "Say scavengers. We need we need we need this scavengers." And as I'm watching this too, I, I'm thinking, can we please have a Heyman-led Lesnar Benoit Guerrero stable? Because it almost looks like you could see one happening here, and it's like that's probably too much firepower for one group. But could you imagine? Yeah. Could you even? Yeah, imagine? and also they really wanted to have Brock be his own um, his own okay. thing. But it's a good could you imagine for sure? Yeah, well that's just it. Is that he was like he was big enough on his own, and they wanted that so bad. And so after this beatdown, the Rock has to be helped to the back. He's yeah. He's, he gets picked up by the refs and he was in a move where his shoulder was like pinned behind him and, and, and his neck and face. But they carry him like from his shoulders, like from his arms anyway. Like they they they, they do like the, you know, they both get under the crux of his arm and carry him yeah. out. And I'm like, I don't know if that would be good, a good way to carry a guy out for, after that. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure he doesn't want the stretcher, but like. Well, you, well his arm was hurt from the crossface, surely. So that, they don't want to like his ribs, but... apparently from Triple H on uh, Monday Night Raw. Here we go. That's what right. we're going to get to. Yeah. Yeah. That whole match. Yes. So um, then we see uh, we, we we go to see the edge is walking backstage and then boom again. Eddie and Ben <laughs> and Benoit are there as well. And I was this, like this whole episode should have just been like yes. guys showing up and, <laughs> and Jerry walks in. He smiles at a caterer and then Chris Benoit just <laughs> pops him in the face and a Guerrero knocks him off his feet. You know, just like Nydia's backstage. She's talking with Jamie Noble. They throw Jamie Jamie Noble into a locker. <laughs> like just, <laughs> I wanted yeah, this. Yeah. yeah, so I just thought that was great. Um, uh, yeah, it was. Between uh, the it, it was good. And Edge, by the way, needs to learn how when the show starts. He's, he's always getting there after the show <laughs> is is like already on the air. Like, dude, you're on one. I mean, the, the audience knows you're on one show. You, you got one thing to do per week. I mean, this yeah. audience, blue collar, 
North Carolina people, right? They probably get up at the crack of dawn, they work all day, and then they come home and enjoy wrestling. Why would they cheer you seeing you like this? Exactly. Yes, how, how baby face is it to show up late? He should have been like, I was here first thing in the morning. I was the guy. I opened the gate. I had that security cat to come get me in. So he's always is, showing up late. They beat him up for it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I th- what is Edge doing between the hours of 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. in Fitville, North Carolina? Is he just like a t- like? Is he just going to the like? Is he spending hours at the uh, IHOP or something like that? Like that's the only thing I could think he would be doing as a wrestler there. Is there a Waffle House there? There might be a, Waffle might House. Be Waffle House country actually. That might, uh, that might be exactly. It. So yeah, I I also like the idea of Benoit and Guerrero being kind of the uh, the, the punishers of of Stephanie. I think that would be good. We, now that of course is going to be broken up very quickly here because Stephanie confronts them. But I just like the idea that they're also being like, you didn't clock out or clock in. <laughs> so we have to clock him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't. You, they're like a tag team. If you don't clock in, we clock you. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, the shirt is terrible. Mm-hmm. They're, I don't know, they're wearing blue collars. Speaking of Jamie Noble and Tajiri, they are up against our friends Hurricane and Shannon Moore to start the show. Yeah, and Tajiri and, and Noble kind of come up as a come out as a thruple with Nidia. Yes, right, I guess Tajiri again. Tajiri just being bad because he's just a bad guy at this point. He's not yes. really doing anything bad. He's just kind of like he's being weird, and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, unfortunately, this. Well, I mean, it's it's counterbalanced uh, with Funaki, but unfortunately, this is, you know, still the era where it's like, if you're foreign, you're probably a heel. You're and there is some there is some foreign stuff in here that I think is like, kind of interesting to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit later on with uh, with Chavo Guerrero when he shows up, but yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Tajiri is like e- like evil in the wrestling thing in the way that like it seems like he would like casually steal something from a store like that's how evil he is Just like, his life is like he would like to find opportunities to be an evil person that's right yeah so uh i wish that hurricane and shannon moore had like a little run in the tag division when smackdown's tag team titles go up because this is a different style of team and I, I i enjoy seeing them it's like fun these guys well, they would have been cool and, and i made a note uh before i watched the rest of the show but it would have been cool if uh if noble mentioned that these were two north carolina boys and you know he's gonna i mean although noble did the same thing three weeks ago in in yeah. charlotte talking about how the north carolina rednecks aren't as good as the the west virginia rednecks but i would have liked maybe something to be like you know you guys are the hometown guys we're gonna beat you here in your hometown but that kind of comes up later yeah exactly somebody there's also some weird hometown stuff in this episode too yeah uh, so Nidia, okay, this is something that historic I needed to point out here. So Nidia, they say she apparently has a, a women's title match tonight, yes. which I thought in that moment, I was like, is this the only time during the course of this podcast we're recovering from August 2002 until uh, just after Royal Rumble 2004? Is this the only time we see a women's title match on this SmackDown? whole time, not including pay-per-views where we where there isn't it's a SmackDown match? No, of course. Like a Smack, yeah. Uh, yeah, women's title. Yeah. No, this is the only time we will see the women's title defended on SmackDown. Oh, yeah, because when they were in Halifax, it was Monday Night Raw. It was uh, Trish against... Uh, yeah. You can go... If you go to cagematch.net, very valuable resource for finding out wrestling stuff, you mm. can go through and click on just, like, every women's wrestler and when they defended the title on television. And I went back and checked, and Molly Holly defended against Tori Wilson earlier in the summer on SmackDown. She bested mm-hmm. her there in okay. a match similar length we're going to see later on uh, with Nidia. And, yeah, yeah it just isn't defended again because they, they um, shortly after this, treat it as... Women's divisional women's division is on Raw, and it will not be defended on SmackDown. That's just it. So we are seeing history tonight. Which is yeah, it used to be the champ goes to both shows, similar to the undisputed uh, championship. So yeah, yeah, we'll talk more more about that match when we get to it. That's right. So Tajiri and Shannon Moore start off uh, at one point early on here. Hurricane and Moore do this great backslide leg drop combo, which they did uh, on another show earlier on. It looks so good. It's one of these things that, that I hadn't seen before. 
And I was like, oh, that looks really cool. Like, it's like, how could you be more prone than when you're in a backslide? Like, you, like you could not protect yourself from a light drop at all. Oh, yeah. So I remember that move. Yeah, that was yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah, uh, hurricane else, is, I've never seen that done before or since. No. It's like, yeah, yeah. like guys, somebody take note and do, start doing that. Uh, hurricane hits this great, this really beautiful cross body. I think it's, I, and, and it made me think that I've just underrated Hurricane the whole time because I knew he was objectively a good worker, but he just like, he has a few moves that he does that look so good. There's another, um, his neck breaker looks so good because he just absolutely floats. He must be mm -hmm. good. He must have good, like, uh, like high jumping skills or something. Like, he just, it's impressive. Oh yeah, man, he he was good, and I think maybe maybe the 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 kind of goofy dorky hurricane gimmick may have uh, um, kind of distracted you from like some of the better things he does. Yeah, it's true. So uh, on the outside, Shannon Moore is kissed by Nydia, and okay. then she starts suggestively touching him lower and lower, and then as she gets lower, to Jerry kicks him, and I was like, <laughs> wow. But I was like, I kind of appreciate that, that that whole idea. I like the idea of them drawing up backstage with some X's and O's there. Yeah. <laughs> so, her, yeah exactly you go here i'll be behind him you you be kind of weird with him and then i'll go i'll, I'll knock him out yeah. uh so hurricane goes for a choke slam on jamie noble which tragically is countered uh but that leads to more and hurricane doing the samoan drop neckbreaker combo and it looks so good especially because yeah, like that's a great earlier. move too hurricane does this awesome floating neckbreaker and i just want to say again tag team steal this move this is your finisher this mm -hmm. is what you do yeah. you have one guy who can pick a guy up over his shoulders which should be everybody in the company like it's not hard to get a guy in a fireman's carry and then you drop him into a neckbreaker. It looks awesome. Yeah. And then thankfully, which I was not prepared for, uh, Hurricane does hit the choke slam onto Jerry. Yes. Yes, and I'm going to call does. it out. I'm going to put a big exclamation mark and circle it and underline and highlighter every time that happens because that's a beautiful thing. I, I love the wrestler who's got a move who's like, oh, they can't do this. I can't yeah. think of another example like right off the top of my head. I guess the I guess this is the best example. It was just like. He if it, it suits his character so well that he's you know obviously he thinks he's a superhero called the Hurricane and he's obviously quite undersized but darn it if you ain't gonna try to hit that choke slam on you know pretty much everybody I do and like he the, hits it this time he, he hits it and I could see a heel doing that too like a heel just being completely full of himself and he never gets it or I would like well, it if Rick Flair when he goes that. to the top rope yes and he just gets flipped off like what was he gonna do up there every time I, he goes up there. I would love to see a heel wrestler do it, and then when they fail to do the move, to act like they did it, and just kind of be like, <laughs> have the body language of like, you saw that, right? You saw me actually do what I wanted to do there. Yeah, Great, thank you guys. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Shannon Moore gets hit by, uh, he gets an electric chair drop on the ropes, and then uh, Noble goes for a power bomb, which is reversed into a pin. I was totally surprised by this. Did not expect Noble to uh, get pinned by Shannon Moore. Yes, Shannon Moore picks up the victory. So Noble beats up Shannon Moore afterward. Hurricane comes to get make the save, and then once again. Matt Hardy runs out. Yeah. This time he clearly isn't needed to do the save. Like the, the, the save has already happened. And by the time he gets to the ring, everything is completely fine. He should not have been out there. Yeah. And he starts acting. Like he was all, he was part of this. He even gets to put him on, on their shoulders, which oh, is shoulders. great. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely oblivious heel thing, uh, which is, which was wonderful. And uh, I maybe re remember why I was such a big Matt Hardy fan back then. Cause I was like, ah, this is fun to watch. Well, it's great, and and all this Matt Hardy stuff throughout this show. I don't know if the audience is so much picking up on it, but really the right. announcers are really being like, "I think he's taking too long. I think he's mugging too much. I think he's doing this. I think he's doing that." And the audience is 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 not quite, I guess, because the first time like they're seeing this version of the character on TV, they haven't had a chance to go home and hear the commentators plant that bug in their ear where they're like, right. Crap, "I guess he is taking a little too long." You know oh, what? Man. You're hitting on something interesting there too, because I wonder if maybe because they they do so much of the commentary after SmackDown, like and if a lot. if you're watching like 
watch a show and then see if you're hearing commentary and actually seeing Cole and Taz talking because you frequently will see them where it will cut to them, you hear them talking, and then Cole and Taz are just looking mute at a screen. Or it, sound, it's, it sounds different. Like, or it, it sounds watch, different. There's watch an episode, week. you'll be able to, to figure it out. It sounds like yeah. they're in a booth. It sounds like they're yeah. making like commentary for the video game. They're being like, so he's I, got I it right where he wants him. So I wouldn't be surprised so cool. if like they watched the show, heard the crowd reaction, and then the note to those guys was like, "Hey, when you come in on Wednesday morning, can you just hit real hard that these that, that Matt Hardy is an oblivious guy? Because in Fayetteville they didn't get it, and if we just if we just go with the original dialogue or your commentary, it won't work. So that maybe something that happened there. That was that was one of Paul's things, right? Was that like he'd have them record so much of this stuff after, and they were like, "Man, no, he is really like working us. Like he made us like get in the booth and like record <laughs> record over pretty much the whole show. Not yeah. to harp on last week again too much, but there's a really yeah. obvious one the week before. Yes, that's not on commentary actually. It's it's Paul when he's talking over the footage of Brock yes. beating up Hulk Hogan. I didn't, note, I didn't note this, but I totally saw it. Yes. Oh yeah, he's talking over the entire video and he's timing it so perfectly. There's no way it's done live. He he definitely went into the booth and he's like, "See here, Brock Lesnar does this, and Brock does this, and Brock gets a blood hole out of you know, doing yeah. his thing." And he's like talking. He's in the ring talking for five minutes straight without a breath. It's like that, that's actually humanly impossible. He went right. to the booth at one point and then he went back in, in the ring live uh, to record that. Anyways, that's SmackDown ADR. I don't think I have too many more notes about that in this episode. Yeah, uh, but but you might. Uh, so yes, Hardy comes out. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, and he's a little oblivious, which is a lot of fun. It's fun seed planting for what's going to happen with him. Yeah, I'm surprised this long term that, that he ends up doing even more in this episode, which is surprising. Mm-hmm. Speaking of great commentary, we see Stephanie McMahon backstage, and right. Taz says, "There's our boss, Stephanie McMahon." So if you had any questions, and I you think could... like that almost feels like that was an ADR thing. Like, yeah, oh look, it's, yeah. Um, I'm going to say the next time I see my boss, there's my boss, full name, <laughs> first name, last name to just everybody who I'm, who I'm around with her. Well, so it is my man, very own father. Yeah, it's exactly. Stephanie man who is Taz's boss. Uh, she finds Guerrero and Benoit yep. and she gets mad. She threatens them with consequences because in a way, hey, look, she jumped them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The she should have had protection. They could have just they could have kept their streak alive by going. She needed the Acolytes Protection Agency, I think. Oh, there we go. Or I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is either of those guys on SmackDown at this point? Okay, we'll, we'll get there. Is. He's in the intro. Oh, Farouk. Oh, yeah, he's he's floating around velocity a little bit. Totally, totally sad for Farouk. Poor Ron right. Simmons. <laughs> so Stephanie's mad because hey, if you if you were on the SummerSlam event because that SmackDown because the uh, attack on Rock earlier tonight yeah. that yeah, sucked, yeah. which is fair. I was like, that's good. And so this is okay. This is another segment where I'm like, okay, I actually appreciate this because Benoit counters her and she says. Look, Stephanie. Last week you wanted me to hurt Rock. You know they had, they had it's a, a note on the show. They, on, a, on the show last week, a very uncomfortable exchange, uh, where they just got increasingly more uh, excited by the prospect of Benoit. They're in each other's during, face. Yeah. Yes, and it's like this tension there that is just uh, it's uncomfortable. So yeah, so Stephanie says, "Well, that was a match that was different. You know, you wanted to hurt Rock for real." And so I appreciate right. this because Stephanie has a good reason to be mad at the guys, and actually they don't seem that shocked by it. Because Benoit defends himself, but then afterwards he's like, okay, like the vibe I get from them is kind of like, okay, I get that you'd be mad about me uh, beating the hell out of your world champion. That makes sense. Uh, so I was shocked by the logic of that, which I appreciate it. And then Edge attacks the guys from behind. Yeah, yes. Beats him up, knocks him out. I think he's a chair, maybe. And he's then, got a chair. He's got a chair. And then he suggests to Stephanie that he and Rock fight the guys in the main event. And she's like, you know what? Sure. And uh, I like that he suggested too, because it's not the Teddy Long thing that would later become the mainstay of SmackDown, which she goes, yeah. 
Yeah. Edge, you know, uh, beating up these two guys, and after they beat up the Rock, I can't help but uh, make a connection here. Sorry, I'm kind of going into a Goldblum kind of thing, where it's like I, uh, uh, I think it might be <laughs> thanks for anything to do. Anyway, so so he suggests it. She says sure. <laughs> I'm not going to harp on this too much in, in future shows. I might do it every time. I don't know. But just consider for the just consider for the moment right now that there were uh, an arena full of people who bought a ticket to a show that did not have a main event until this moment. Yeah. Stephanie McMahon had a big blank spot on her thing. Like, no wonder she's accepting this match offer. She's like, "Oh, thank God, I have a match I can put in." Well, it probably it probably had a main event. That's why they always do like the card subject to change thing. That's why sure. I see like shows advertised like three months out, and he's like, "So and so defends his Universal Championship." You're like, "I don't know if he's gonna have it by like April, is he? I don't know." Right. It's like this is right after WrestleMania. He's got a big match. So, are you suggesting that Molly Holly and Nidia was probably gonna be the main event? Uh, I think it was uh, would have been the the main event. It's it's a title so. match. The women's title uh, uh, would be uh, in the main event. This is also the same main event from the last show I did. This is the same main event oh, for hilarious. the from the August first SmackDown. It's literally Rock and Edge. Yeah, exactly. Because they're same in the match. show. Yeah, that's exactly right. Same match, different match, but it's the same uh, competitors. Yes. It's different this time. It's personal. Exactly, beautifully put. Uh, I have to say, if there's somebody backstage of SmackDown who is like, it's being like, you know what, the main event should be Nidia versus Molly Holly. That person wants to kill Fayetteville, North Carolina, as the town these guys can go to. He wants they to do. never come back. They never want to come back. Uh, one other thing during this exchange that Stephanie yeah. mentions Triple H uh, injured Rock's ribs on Raw, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting to hear her just kind of like mention, you know, the guy who until six months ago was her husband, just kind of mentions him offhand. She's like, you saw what Triple H did to Rock. It's also weird to hear her say Triple H because I'm used to her saying Hunter, or maybe I'm Hunter. Not, I don't know. Well, see, that's interesting because there there was a whole thing where they had a they had a divorce that we saw. I think we went, I don't know if it was a Vengeance or what it was, but it was amicable. And uh, so I think that she's transitioned into talking about him professionally, which I appreciate as a character de- detail. And it's an excellent trait of a boss. I don't think nasty Eric Bischoff on Monday Night Raw, had he been in an angle with an ex-wife, would have done the same thing. Discussing exactly. Eric Bischoff. Crooked yeah, Eric Stephanie, Bischoff. that's a that's a boss I can get behind. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah. The the, the continued the continued drama between Raw and SmackDown. So now we're backstage with Matt Hardy, uh, and he's with Shannon Moore and Hurricane. Hurricane has his mask off very casually, and he's got uh, like the Batman eye black. Yeah. On. But that I was didn't like realize that, no big deal for them, or like they didn't make a thing out of like a secret identity. It's just like ah, after match, I got my mask off. No big. Yeah, deal. I think this is a this was a feels like a blunder of some yeah. kind. I thought uh, maybe they would have fun with like a secret identity at some point, but maybe it is just a thing. But it is yeah. weird. I was like, oh, it's his, his mask off. He's like, yeah, like drinking a Dasani. Like, oh boy, parched. Yeah, no big deal. Well, uh, uh, Hurricane, did you just walk out of the grocery store? Because I see you just took your mask off. Anyway, oh, this, nice. There's a relevant joke for you there. It's timely. Yeah, hopefully if you listen to this from a year from now, you'll be like, what a COVID-related nonsense joke that was. So it's fine. <laughs> so Matt's, Matt says, hey, it was like 10 times louder uh, than last week when I came out. Yeah. And uh, he says, you know what? I'm going to go back out. And he does. Yeah. We, we follow him out. And he really plays he goes, the crowd on the ramp. He goes through Gorilla, and he tells Gerald Briscoe to hit his music. You notice there's Briscoe. Briscoe sitting there? Yeah. yeah. I love that. I mean, they follow him all the way through, which is great. You see, like the the 2002, like complete backstage, and yeah, he comes out, and yeah, they're they're excited, but they're flying on an iPod trying to get uh, his theme song to play. Mr. McMahon. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. (laughs) So, so he's out there. He's playing for the crowd, and then uh, out comes Chavo Guerrero, and he calls Matt out, which is Mm -hmm. funny because. 
it's kind of a babyface move because he's calling him out because Matt is an oblivious heel and he is obviously claiming up, sucking up to the fans as he claims. Like Chavo Guerrero is coming out here speaking truth. Yes. And then Chavo challenges Matt to a match. Yep. And this is where I think where, where I mentioned uh, some racial stuff comes in earlier. He calls him white boy. And then when he says his own name, he, he really plays up the the lat the Latin kind of connection of it, like Chavo Guerrero. And I feel like he's pulling up the race thing. I yeah, it's 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 not the only it's not the most racist thing to happen in this episode, which is yes. crazy. Uh, but there is actually I forgot about I did have an ADR note. Thank there you. is such an obvious you suck, Chavo, <laughs> that they added because he does a thing where he just kind of looks over to the crowd and one clear voice over the din somehow makes it out. And you get a, you suck, Chavo. And that's what draws his attention away. And then back to Matt Hardy. So, yes, I, I thought that was very fun. I love the idea of an intern being like, hey, I, we need an intern here to just yell about Chavo Guerrero in the booth real quick. If you could hook us up with that, it would be great. Yeah. So uh, it's it's funny watching this right after Stephanie McMahon made the main event backstage because I'm watching it. And I'm thinking, like, so how does matchmaking work here? Because, like, these guys challenge mm-hmm. each other. There's no ref there. And then Kyoto runs down. So is Stephanie just, like – is she watching this and goes like, okay, yes, I'm making the match. Go Kyoto, go. Like, it's fine. Because in theory, you would just, these guys would challenge each other. They would come out, refs would pull them apart. There's no match. Is there Except- a ref's bullpen somewhere where they're just like, instead of like throwing like warm-up pitches, <laughs> like, fun. Yeah, they're working their arms there. They're like, they're trying to yeah. get up the resistance so that they, somebody grazes yeah, them. They don't call. Mike Kyoto warming up there. He's got a good left arm. He's going to come out here. Sixth inning. Mike I would turn. love if there was just a pen of referees on camera you could see in the background there. And like, Taz stands up and kind of gives a signal being like, come on out, we need you. <laughs> and Kyoto goes like, oh, are you really pulling me right now? It's like, nah, yeah, we need uh, we need Nick Patrick here, guys. I'm sorry. He's like, yeah, he's like, hands on hip shake. Gives him the earpiece. Like... <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I feel bad for him, you know. He's a, he's a reliever uh, referee there. So uh, so Chavo hits Matt with a slingshot splash from the outside in. Uh, and again, I'm reminded that Chavo, just like the Hurricane, is just quietly such a solid worker. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen Chavo make like a big mistake or not have a decent match, at least. Like, he just works so well. No, and he's that's why, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad he's and, part and of SmackDown 6. They mentioned that uh, he's been in the ring since he was three years old, which is yeah. insane, but it makes sense if, if you're from that uh, family. And yes, you're right. Just a solid, solid, solid guy. Kind of like, uh, he, you know, he can't, eventually became like kind of the Sean Waltman where guys coming into the company would, would be up against Sean, and that's how they could just like tell if this guy can go or not. Right. And, uh, the measuring stick kind of guy. I think so. I think that's what Chavo became because I think his first match was against um, Sinkara was one of his first matches in like 2011. Um, oh. But I digress. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. This is I'm gonna I will take a, a deeper digression here so, too. So mm. uh, this is where I want to mention to to all our listeners. Will have you ever heard of Tom McGee? Oh yeah, I was just. Um, I, yes, I have heard of Tom okay. McGee. I know where you're going with this. So this is an interesting thing. So uh, the legend of Tom McGee is essentially here's this guy who in the 80s and this is this is, I think, a detail. There's a few details here that are really interesting. So Tom McGee was a wrestler in the 80s yeah. who was very new, very green, didn't have a lot of skill there. But Vince saw him and he wanted him to be the new Hulk Hogan. Now, and Vince I want you to consider saw him yeah. and we know what Vince likes. Yes. He's this guy guy looked. He looked like a He-Man action figure. He looked fantastic. He looked great. He, really he was athletic. Great. But imagine with me for a second now. It's it's the late 80s. Hulk Hogan's at the peak of his game. And Vince McMahon is already looking to see who's going to replace him. That's already a crazy idea. But the legend with Tom McGee was that um, he had a match once against Bret Hart where Bret Hart made him look so good 
that people were like, oh, maybe he's maybe Tom McGee is great. And essentially he extended him for this, uh, you know, gave him uh, an extension of goodwill from the company for I don't know, it was months or years after that. That he was like, well, he did a match, good match against Brett. And I th- feel like there is a risk of having a wrestler who like you can kind of see if you can go with uh, like a like a Sean Waltman, like a Chavo Guerrero, because if you make it, if you do that with Bret Hart, you're going to accidentally make every guy you put up there look amazing. Yeah. The, the the kind of the the completed legend of this Tom McGee thing is that for years that Bret Hart match with Tom McGee was thought not to exist on video. It, it, we, people thought it was shot and then you couldn't get it. And then uh, there's a great special on the WWE Network to look up uh, about. It. I don't remember the name of it, but uh, essentially what happened is Bret is going through his tapes or some he's getting someone to go through his tapes. He kept like a, like a meticulous sorting of all his match tapes that he had from WWE. And they just found the Tom McGee match. And so you can watch it on the network. You can see what people think is so amazing about it. And uh, yeah, anyway, a little, just a little digression there. Because I think yeah, you should check well, it out. It's a tape which maybe it's legend uh, kind of outgrew its how, how good the match was. It's but... a little bit, but just even seeing it is like, it's so satisfying. Also, like, okay, testament so it's just how good Brett is. And uh, yeah. Brett actually gets brought up uh, in this match. Yes, it does. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Okay, well, let's, let's get to it then. So. Chavo yeah. hits a back suplex and he covers Matt and he drives his forearm into his face as he's covering him. And it's such a Good. nice touch when heels do that Good because touch. you can just, that'd be annoying. Like, it'd be it a forearm hurt. in the face like that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, I, so I'm like, Chavo's a good worker. And then he immediately goes for an octopus stretch. And I'm like, this guy's great. What am I doing? Like, he's like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, he's just doing the octopus. It's like, that's what I would do in No Mercy. Um, <laughs> so Chavo goes for, he misses a stinger splash. Uh, and then he goes for a second row body block, which, uh, and he gets hit with a side effect with Matt instead. Kind of that uh, falling, jumping uh, rock bottom kind of thing he did. Yeah. So Matt hits a back suplex spin into an elbow, which I don't think I've seen that much. It's like kind of like he he gets them up and then he spins and hits the elbow with them on the way down. And I was yeah. like, okay, I don't know, frequently from him. So Matt hits a second rope leg drop. The crowd seems legitimately very hot for him. The, it matches with what I'm seeing in the background there with the excitement. That's right. And there's a there's a, the, uh, the the setup for a twist of fate, and then. Pyro, another Kane tease. So yeah. Kane, who is never going to be on SmackDown when we watch it, yes. will not show up, yeah. is once again teased here. It's they're so they are so set on you thinking these are two very different brands, but for some reason, and I cannot tell you why, they're fine with being like, Oh yeah, Kane's coming to Raw or he's coming to WWE, but you don't know. It's like, okay, why why are you doing this? Well, are these on both shows? No, no. They do these it's on both on shows, yeah, because he goes he goes to Raw. I know he goes to yeah, yeah, because I was like Kane on he never goes to SmackDown. No, not and, not watching this at least. I look, I checked to be extra sure he does not show up. And also, it looks like he's not stalking anybody in particular. Though him and Matt would have a match at SummerSlam two years later. Yeah, um, yeah later and on. Was, and it was very personal. Uh, but uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like he's targeting anybody with these um, pyros. Mid starters. Kind of, I mean, he's not. It's not many event stuff. <laughs> right. Got, right. Yeah. But usually, like if if that was happening, he'd be like, "This is the second time this week he's." Um, you know, his power has gone off during a, a Rob Van Dam match or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's yeah exactly. Example. Then you have a thing where they got maybe that maybe that rest is kind of looking over his shoulders and know what's going on. That could be interesting. Yeah. So but, uh, Matt is distracted by the enormous pyro and music. Fair enough. And yeah. Sean rolls him up for three. Uh, and then mm-hmm. this is when we talked about hometowns earlier. Uh, Michael Cole says travel pins Matt Hardy in his hometown area, which area. It sounds like a euphemism. I'll just say that you don't want to get hit. <laughs> um, but it's totally weird because it's not his hometown, and hometown area is not a thing. 
it's not his home county. It's just weird to be like, you could say his home state. I would if be you got in New Glasgow, Matt, you know, they could be like, well, he's kind of from here. <laughs> his hometown area. Yeah. Or hometown area, folks. Let's, let's give him some privacy. He can just watch this himself. We don't need to see this. So, <laughs> and then there's a very audible, this is an unusual moment here. There's a very audible exchange between uh, Mike Kyoto and Matt. And yeah. uh, I'll kind of paraphrase a little bit here. So Kyoto says it was three. And then Matt says something like, everyone knows that there's an explosion. The match ends. The match ends. It's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it ceases is what he yes. says. The match ceases, ceases. It ends. Everyone knows there's an explosion. The match ceases. It ends. Yeah. I, I love that. Matt is consulting a rule book where it's like, look, we're in professional wrestling. Things happen. Okay. Explosions happen sometime. Everybody knows that you. <laughs> I, I think for everybody's ends. safety, it should stop. I think if there is an explosion in the building, I think the match can't keep going. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, we didn't think about that. So, yeah, I do like the idea, though, if, in Matt Hardy's world, like the explosion goes off, everyone's surprised by it. And then I guess Chavo and Matt shake hands and it's over. They go back. To- <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what can you do? And we tried. And then Matt says just the best thing I did not expect to see on SmackDown, where he says, this is the biggest travesty since Earl Hebner screwed Bret Hart in Canada. Yep. Clear as day, says it to the camera. Yep. Shouting out our buddy Bret Hart. And uh, I, lo- <laughs> I love that he has this. Uh, this inflated sense of self, where this is as bad as a Montreal screw job here on the August 22nd episode of SmackDown in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Not a great night for Hebner's, too, in this um, on, on SmackDown this night. Brian, uh, he takes some punishment uh, for the referees. This is this actually is the night where you really need the referee bullpen. I will say that. Yeah, it's true. Again, I would I, would, I want the bullpen. It's it's I, I'm a big fan of that now. So yeah. will. Your my low light for the episode here. Every week we try to hit, uh, try to talk about our low lights and our highlights of the episode. This is my low light. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Funaki is backstage, and he says, "Is this the he first makes, time he says he's the number one announcer?" I don't think so. I think I've seen it, but it might have been on Velocity. It comes up. Okay, okay, okay. So he says he makes a very good point of saying, "I'm going to go where no man has gone before. I'm going to go into the women's locker room." And then, which is I, a which is a gag stolen from you can't do that on television. It was like you. before. It's like Star Trek going where no man has gone before, and it's like Picard like going into the women's bathroom. Like, oh, <laughs> Lord. So it's, it's the same level of genius. Absolutely. So that's very much played for giggles. And we take a commercial break and we are just just back exactly where we were before. Like there's just this moment essentially being like, we need to make it clear that Funaki is going to see some stuff. and You don't want to change the channel because you might there might be some skin. And before the commercial. Well, yeah, and it'll be female skin, not male skin, because you get a yes. lot of that during a wrestling show. Before he goes in the locker room, he says, stay tuned. But uh, he has a hard time saying it, so he says, stay turned, and Taz really lets him have it. Oh, says, stay Taz. turned? Okay, oh, we'll stay God. turned. Anyway, yes, yeah, so now we're back with the uh, Now we're back with, with Funaki, and so he so he goes to the women's locker room. And first off, I just want to just say, like, I love the... The idea behind this as like a professional thing of like, okay, Funaki isn't is he's a journalist. He's just like so he's just deciding to walk into a women's locker room on <laughs> and he can just like, walk right in. Yeah, it's just like you that's not acceptable. Like just because you have a camera doesn't mean you can just walk into a women's locker room. So uh so we go go in and Nidia's there and she's not wearing a shirt and uh, she's standing she's com- behind a road case. Yes. She's completely this is unfazed. Where she gets changed. She likes Funaki. Yeah, she's not she's not phased, yeah. No, well she's just you know, she's 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 not bothered. She's she's you know. Anyway, there's an exchange here, yeah. Exactly. And so this is and, and this is the second week that Funaki, Funaki and her have had uh, lowlights uh, a couple weeks in a row here. So out comes Molly Holly, who mm-hmm. there's no other way to describe her character. She is a prude. That is how they describe her. That's how you want you, they want you to think of her. That's what she, her character is. So, She's got like an RTC type uh, uh, wardrobe on yes. with the just black bottom and a white top. 
yeah, I, I'm, hold, I'll, I'll get to that when, when they have their match. I make a point about that. I'll make a point about that. Okay, okay. Molly, and a detail I love about this is that Molly Holly has rollers in her hair. Yeah, which is a real like 1950s housewife kind of thing. I just love the idea that she's doing her hair. She's doing her hair like that, and so she is mad at Funaki for coming in, and it's rightfully so. Yeah. Well, this is it. Okay. So, yeah. so Nidia is happy, and she's talking about her breasts with Funaki. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is consistent with her character. I didn't realize that Nidia, but Nidia is not just a Jamie Nova's girlfriend, but she is very much like she wants Funaki to see her undressed. She's very right. sexual. It's her yeah. whole vibe. Yeah. And it's really funny to me that Molly Holly is played as a bad guy for not wanting a man to wander into her dressing room. Yeah. And if this was happening today, you wouldn't call her a prude. You would be like, oh, okay, she's like, <laughs> she's like standing up for women uh, to not be harassed. Like she would be a hero for this. Yes, uh, but she's played in 2002 as a as a bad guy. So th- we get the very important um, kind of uh, the stipulation for this, which is Nidia promises that if she wins, she's going to flash the crowd. And then she puts mm-hmm. her bra on Funaki's face. Mm-hmm. Yes, she does indeed. Yeah. And then I'll present this without comments. Taz then says he's go- he is pulling for Nidia. Yeah. Leave that uh, there. And, and ask Cole if he's uh, pulling for her uh, as, as, as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's we, interesting. It's interesting. You know, Molly, I mean, she, she's right to not let Funaki in the locker room. Uh, but I think she's a little, um, you know, she's a little too mean to Nydia for being proud of her looks. Um, yeah, she, she's, she is very hard on. And I guess that's supposed to be the other kind of part of it where you're like, well, even if Molly has a point that maybe Funaki shouldn't be in there, she's not. She's really trying to, to cage Nydia in a way that uh, at least we don't we, we don't like that as fans. Uh, and, uh, yeah, right. Um, uh, and the other thing I'll say is, uh, at least in that women's locker room, they'll have a lot of space because it's only the two of them in there. Uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I love that they go through that trouble and they're like, well, how big is women? What should be about as big as the men's, but, uh, they can have their, they can have their own wings of the locker room. They're the only women behi- besides Stephanie on the show. And Stephanie doesn't need a locker room to get changed. And she has her executive office, which is just yeah, a she- locker room, but it's got different lighting. Well, there's plants. There's a plant, and there's maybe like a framed picture of you know yeah. the, the latest cover of WWE magazine. I just love the idea of a large, sweaty Italian guy grabbing a box, saying Stephanie's office, and inside he just drink. It's a big, heavy box, and he grows in it, and he and he takes out a uh, a big plant, a yeah. framed thing, and then maybe like a clipboard with some fake contract on it. And Plastic that is like fern. that's his job. Yeah, make sure exactly. it's there. Yeah, lots of blue lighting. So then uh, we're talking to Rey Mysterio backstage now. Um, and in that moment when I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, I feel like he's about to get jumped by Kurt Angle, which is not what happens exactly. But it's this moment of like, I expected him to get hit, hit real quick. So yeah, Reed talks about the height difference between him and Kurt Angle, which is fair. He's very, very yeah, it gets played. It's, this height thing is played up a lot. Big time. Yeah. And then so Kurt wanders into frame. So he's not going to beat him up. He's just going to show up. And so yeah. he has this big scar with stitches on top of his head. Yeah. And so last week's show, so we did, did the podcast last week with Daniel. And so. I don't know when this happened exactly, or like what happened. I think it was exactly. on Ray's Hurricanrana. I think that's when Ray like jumped at because he, he he hits yeah. him with the Hurricanrana, he rolls out, and he's bleeding all over the place. Like, what happened? There was also a six one nine that happened outside the ring, which yeah. is kind of a rare occurrence. But I don't know what happened. But but there's a question last week of I thought that I thought Kurt bladed, but then I thought okay, no, that's hard way. And then Daniel still thought I was blading. I feel very confident saying that he had a hard way injury from that cut because well, yeah, you don't blade on the top of your head with his yeah. Exactly. So Steve Austin never did that. He never bladed the back of his head. No forehead right here. So confirmation that uh, that Kurt actually got some hardware juice last week. So Kurt says that Ray can sit back, relax, maybe grab a booster chair 
watch and watch angle face Billy Kidman, who is also a cruiserweight. And I like this idea because this whole idea of like, let me beat someone who is like you before we face off on Sunday. Like, I'm just going to fight somebody. Yeah. Pick on someone your, your own size. Exactly. And so Kurt also threatens to break Ray's ankle if he shows his face up during during the match as well. His face. Yeah. So I think I think this is my highlight for the show. It's a close one between this and probably the main event. But this is like this is my highlight. This Kurt Angle Billy Kidman match. And before we get to the match, uh, tonight is sponsored by Tobacco is Wacko. Yeah. Foot Locker. Yeah. And I was I was I got so excited by this last one. I like popped as though a rest of the sea again <laughs> came out. Popped. Blockbuster. I was Make like the this blockbuster is night, delicious. baby. This is yes. 2002. Yeah. Oh man, I'm not gonna smoke. I'm gonna buy a pair of shoes, and I'm gonna go out tomorrow night, Friday night in 2002. I'm gonna see if Miss Congeniality is on the shelves, or maybe Legally Blonde, or maybe Fellowship of the Ring. I'm trying to think of the ones that make sense at this time of the year. So, um, so Billy Kidman comes out, and his Titan Tron uh, has a lot of green in it, which just screams, "I should be on Velocity." Yeah, and his music is also like just so oh, forgettable. He gets a better one. He gets a better one soon after this, I think. So I remember he had a good one at his his good one at Survivor Series. But there's a couple people that come out on SmackDown, and I just hear their music, and I'm like, "Who is that?" There's someone who comes out later. I'm like, "I know I recognize this song, but I can't remember who it is." And I was sh- shocked to see who it was. This is okay. later in the episode. But anyway, thank you. Yeah, Billy, his music's like it's just it's just nothing. It's a total nothing song. I was thinking of like Mark Henry's song. Like it's just nothing. Yes. We just do this for Mark, you know, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Uh yeah, we got 20 minutes left of the recording session, Jim. It's like, okay, cool. How many more songs do you have to bang out? Uh 18. Oh, oh, okay. Um okay, so this was be like a synth. Yeah, get the turk guitars out. We're gonna make this work. So uh, Kimmin hits a head scissors and drop and a drop kick on Kurt Angle, uh, which makes both of them look great. So like great for Billy Kidman. Uh, Angle completely shuts down Kimmin's offense with some rolling Germans, which I thought was great. Yep. And then Rey Mysterio comes out, but he doesn't just come out. He pops out of the stage like his entrance. He he's the, with the sp- the pyro splir- splurge and everything. Yeah. yeah. He, just the, who's that bouncing out the sky? Does that count as an explosion? We went, we just went over this in in the same episode. Does that count as an explosion? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, if I it guess didn't I stop would. that match. Won't stop this match. This match should also cease. I That's agree. right. I think Matt so Hardy Ang- should come out. So Angle starts heading toward heading after uh, Rey Mysterio. Uh, and so, but the ref is counting, so he could lose by count out, and so he runs in to break the count. So that's a whole concern. So I, at this moment, I'm like, okay, I'm glad they teased the count out. At least that won't happen. So Kidman gets a good shot I- off on Angle. And what's that? That's funny that you're like, oh, good, that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, but then uh, Angle hits his belly to belly, and he's back in control. And then we get a real tazism here, Will, where he says, pops those hips. Yep. Angle pops those hips. which And, and later on this episode, we find out what training you have to do to get those hips to pop. So if you want to train at home, um, uh, there's actually some really good stuff uh, coming up very soon. Yeah, exactly. Be- the the hip-popping workout. When you think yeah. about it, pop those hips sounds like maybe the worst-case scenario for an athlete. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, 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 Jackson, it's, right? Is that what happened to him? Yeah. So uh, Angle does some real uh, heel style choking with his boot on the ropes. Just a good move there. And then on, so on the outside, Kurt Angle is on the floor. He <laughs> sees a guy in a Rey Mysterio mask yeah. and he rips it off and he pushes this fan around. And I, yeah. I, I say fan in quotes because I'm sure it was an independent wrestler or like a guy in OVW or something like that. Oh, Lord. Yes, it was. It was absolutely. It was, it was a plant. But the guy kind of looked like Dominic, which is weird. I was like, this guy looks I, like a okay. grown-up version of Dominic. I mean, the current I, I version. Mean, too. I think he, to me, he kind of looked like um, a Ted DiBiase Jr. a little bit. Oh, yeah. 
But yeah. I did I did have a Dominic thought too, which is one of those insane things where your mind is like, could this be could this be his baby son? Who at this point is like probably what like five? Like he's even younger than when when we see him with with Eddie in two thousand five. He might be like three or two. Yeah, he's got to be like twenty. He's early twenties. I mean, he's he's a, he's a grown man, but he's he's um... well, he is now not then. Not oh yeah, so maybe maybe he was five. Yeah, who could have been though? Um, so. Kidman takes advantage of Angle's kind of crazy attitude. He hits it with his big crossbody outside, absolutely caught perfectly by Kurt Angle. And then uh, Kidman hits this uh, this acid drop esque kind of running bulldog up the turnbuckle, which I think he would use sometimes. But am I right in thinking that Trish Stratus used that? Is that the Stratus faction? Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's similar. Yeah, a variation on that. It's, yeah. fun, it's fun to see a, a Christopher using a, a a women's challenger move. It's not very common. Especially uh, back, like their offenses were so different, right? Yeah, I mean nobody nobody else does the molly go around. Um, it's true. The uh, Billy gets a lot of uh, offense in here too. Like he gets yes. a lot of near falls on Kurt Angle. Like this is yeah. a match. This is a real match. Absolutely. Well, well, yeah. And we're gonna get to the real close moment here in, in a moment too. So Angle hits this. Uh, he he gets an uh, an ankle lock, but he, it's countered. So Kimmin hits an Enzo Guri and he sets up a shooting star press and then beautifully Angle pops up to hit his top row belly to belly, which is one of the best things the, he does. Oh my gosh, it's one of the best things. Yeah, because it is like so like so unbelievably quick. Yeah. The way that and just the idea that someone could kind of leave up the ropes like that is just shocking. Yeah. So the angle slam is reversed and angle actually kind of inadvertently hits the ref. And Angle uh, then gets knocked to the outside. So he grabs a chair, he's frustrated. He misses hitting Kidman, who drop kicks it into his face, and that gets like two point nine nine. Like it's that a was really, really near fall. Extraordinarily close. Like to the point where, and like, I, Angle's not even looking at the ref, and he gets up before three. It's like, oh my gosh! So like, they're giving Billy Kidman a uh, Attitude Era main event here. You got a ref bump, you got a steel chair. The only thing it's missing is an announce table um, spot. Yeah, exactly. Really, I mean, before the trifecta. Exactly. This this, this could have been a, the and main event. Band running. Yeah, exactly. So Kimmy goes for a, a move off the ropes, but it's turned into an angle slam, which I thought would be the finish. But then Ray Mysterio comes back out, and he hits Angle with his West Coast pop. And so uh, Angle uh, gets cha- uh, chases Ray up the ramp. The ref counts again, and this time Angle is counted out for real. Yeah. So he loses and really Ray's, Ray, Ray's running away is so funny because he's doing like yes. all these unnecessary rolls. He's like, yes, he does. Like, rolls off the ramp. 64. Like he's just doing all these like rolls and stuff. Uh, I did think there was a good moment where ref inter- Ray interferes. And I was like, oh, that, okay, the ref's going to call it. And he doesn't. Like, what? When Ray interferes, Brian Hedmer is pushing the chair out of the ring. Like he's, t- he turns it's away like for that, that one second. Moment, eh? Yeah, I thought it was a good touch. It's very nice. Uh, so Angle's angry. Uh, he uh, he Germans Kidman and he beats on him, and then yeah. he hits an angle slam. And he actually he actually angle slams Kidman out of the ring in a way yes. that looks actually really cool. Yeah. And I hope that he would like. I hope Angle did that in like a Royal Rumble before he retired because it looks cool to see him like he dumps a guy in a way like there's there's a really clean way where you could just like you pick him up, you lift him, and then he kind of tumbles like uh, to the apron and then to the floor. But that's not really what he does. It's pretty clean like up and you're dumped on the floor. Looks really that's good. That's how he got like tried to get Triple H out into the 2002 Rumble. Because they were the last two. I remember yes. that. Yeah. I remember I remember the Triple H does his little like his little pose before he runs and knocks him over. Yeah, exactly. Well, they just did it for a that's very I don't, that's very um very etched in my mind, that exact moment there. He has this big face and these baby face triple H. Such a rarity, really. Yeah. And then but so we go outside after uh Kurt Angle's count out loss. So we see the Crown Coliseum here in Fayetteville. Yes. And uh, so this building, this arena is actually being phased out currently. And I can believe it. Yeah, but the interesting thing is they're getting it's phasing out because it doesn't adhere to disability laws. 
So I see those stairs. Did you see those? You can see those stairs in the background, these spiral staircases. Yes. Absolutely. I can see that. So I don't know if they're just like if they couldn't put elevators in there, if they think it's a better time to build another arena. But I've never heard of an arena just essentially being like it doesn't it'll be shut down in 2022. Now, that said, that was decided in January 2020. And um, COVID-19 changes a lot of things. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're just kind of like, eh, the building's done. Because <laughs> like they're not going to put any more money into it or like who knows if they'll have any events there, right? Yeah. So, well, what events did they have there before? Because everything that's ever happened games. at the Fayetteville Crown Coliseum. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, a, that's the next one. Rodeo, 1952. Rodeo, 1953. <laughs> a lot of rodeos. Yeah, but they should have rodeos outside. Uh, so Rock is being checked backstage by a doctor, I guess? I don't know who that guy is. Yeah, he's getting his ribs checked. Yeah. Guys is looking at so, him. So he's in rough shape. And then we go to a video package for Rock versus Brock. And yeah. we get to see Brock's workout routine. So this is an excellent. Yeah, it's so intense. Mm-hmm. I think Vince probably directed these and asked for like 50 takes of each exercise because it yeah. seems to be the kind of thing that would be right up his alley. Like, uh, I want 50 takes and then I want you to give me uh, all the raw footage delivered to my office. No questions asked. I just want to have 10 hours of Brock Lesnar working out that I can just look at anytime I want. Well, maybe he doesn't like this workout so much because there's no like iron being pumped. Now, I liked these packages a lot. I like the kind of um, just showing them both train. Yes. This is a little out of character for Brock because he's supposed to be this kind of monstery guy who's super cocky. And then he's just like, you know, I train like this and, you know, I do these kinds of things. So these are good if you are still kind of working out from home. Okay. So yeah. these are excellent. You can find these things lying around at home. Okay. So he's got these giant sticks that you use to warm up. You yep. do this kind of fly thing on these giant sticks. Pool cues will probably work. Uh, I wouldn't recommend tape measures. Uh, then he's got a log, and he puts a log on his shoulder, and he yes. steps on a step. Okay? Husband or wife will do. Yeah, if exactly. You have and a log. They, and, and that log, they, they used to, that to explain why he, like he essentially trains for the FI with that, which I enjoyed. I was like, this is the guy who puts the work in for his move. Anyway, he's yes, what else? 180-pound log, which doesn't explain how you can pick up a 353-pound Rikishi. <laughs> right. But he's got, he, maybe he's got two logs for that, right? If he's <laughs> training for a Rikishi match. Then he's got a bag, okay? So we've all seen Rocky. Uh, some hanging meat. If you have a meat locker in your house, some right. hanging meat will do. And you hit the bag. Or and a butcher nearby that you can get a key for. I think that would also work. I, yeah, exactly. The butcher, you know, as long as the butcher's six feet away. Then you have the chairs. He's got these two folding chairs, so you can do these super deep push-ups, of course. Mm-hmm. You can move an ottoman and a bark lounger, okay? That works yeah. uh, also to get that real deep um, push, get those nice pectoral striations. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's yeah. um, a drill. I don't remember what the drill was, but if you have a drill at home and you squeeze it, that's good for hand strength. Oh, yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah, and then he's got bands, uh, some bands I like to listen to when I'm training. I like Metallica and Megadeth and Iron Maiden. They're good. Okay. Oh, resistance, I feel like if you're a resistance band, though, it has to be like anti-Trump stuff. Do you know what I mean? Because right. he's resistance. So I feel like it has to be like. Oh, those, those Vietnam era songs, you know? Yeah, exactly. All the CCR. Or something. And then yeah. ice. I, I got ice written down here. Make sure you're wearing a, a gold chain. Um, like the turn, like the Miami University turnover chain. If you have something like that, actually, yes. which would be good if if Brock put that on the line because he played for the University of Miami with uh, Ed Reed. Reed that would be perfect. Yeah, yeah that well, would be it, perfect. These are all so the things that Brock does. If you're doing an ice bath, do you need to fill it up to the point that when you get in, it'll overflow? It seems uh, it seems ill thought out. He's yeah. dumping all this ice in there. You know how much you probably displace if you do it at the end of every workout. Yeah. And by the way, there, right? that would be awful. There are these like cryogenic chambers that. Um, that athletes use now too, where it's just like, you just, it's like the star Trek, um, you know, uh, recovery chamber thing with the 
captain with just the light on front that beeps. Yeah. It's one of those things. You stand in it, and it's unbelievably, horrifically. I think Undertaker did one in his um, documentary, but but lots oh, yeah, of yeah. lots of, right. lots of uh, at like I know DDP has one. Is like his house. He loves it because he's that a crazy sense. person. Uh, but it looks awful. Like it looks like that would be so brutal to yeah, sit in that cryo chamber, or the or the or the ice bath. But apparently, it's good for recovery. So whatever, but I think it would be just so brutal. Yeah, next time, uh, next time I finish up a run, I'm just gonna stop by the uh, the gas station first, get a couple of bags of ice. Yeah, and then put them on your shoulder. That could yeah, be the there walk. we go. Man, I can get a lot of workout here. This is great. Right. You know, I mean, watching this, I felt bad for Jim Ross, who would have been all over this real athlete business stuff. Like he loves this sort of thing, so he would have loved being able to see and comment, do commentary over Brock being a real athlete, because that's where he really gets his jollies. Yes, it, it so, really is. Yeah. So we're backstage again with Rock, and so Edge comes in, and Rock says that Eddie Guerrero, quote, did the Macarena all over my ribs, to which this I say, Rock come on. promo is, is almost an all-timer for what he ends up saying and doing in this. It's, it's pure, it's almost peak Rock ridiculousness, where it's like, yes. buddy, I love you, I think you should take some time off, because it's just, and he, he's going hard here, too. He's on, like, two shows a week every week. Like, he's all over the place. Yeah. Rock is well, at this point. Will, there's no quitting the Rock. And no matter what happens, if Rock loses a limb, if he loses a testicle, a testicle, if you if if Rock loses a testicle, this is what Rock's going to do. And he demonstrates this in no uncertain terms. Yes, he's going to. So first of all, he's down an arm and he's down one leg. Okay, so he's whooping you with one arm, whooping you with one leg. And even if he loses a testicle, is this it? He's going to take the other testicle and throw it up in the air and then marvel at how high he threw it up there and then open his mouth. And catch the testicle in his mouth and then spit it out, presumably at his adversary. That's what Rock's going to do. Even so, you know, I mean, it's the the uh, the thesis statement is there's no quit in the rock. And the body of the argument is he'll swallow a testicle and spit it out if necessary. <laughs> his own testicle yep. swallowed by him. And so he's going to stick his still stick his foot straight up. And then Edge finishes the expression for him. Kind of like what he used to do with Christian. So he does a straight up his candy ass thing, which he kind of does an impression of the Rock's voice. And Rock clearly finds this amusing. Um, and, and Edge. Yeah. Yeah. Edge here, he still doesn't really have a character, though. He's just kind nope. of like cheating with guys and being like, oh, I love being with Hulk Hogan. I was such a fan growing up. Oh, I love being with Rock because he's Rock. He's awesome. So it's yeah. like, yeah, Edge, you're kind of like just carrying their luggage at this point, dude. His character is um, main eventer or upper mid card guy who is a good person. That's it. Which That's is why does. people turned on him years yeah. later because they're just like, okay, dude, come on. And then he obviously became one of the best heels ever. Um, so up next is the instance where I didn't know whose theme song this was. So it was yes. tag oh, great. team match. Okay. It was Rikishi. <laughs> Okay, so I know Rikishi's music. It's it's obviously yes. you know it's a it's a bop. Uh, so he comes out and it's announced. Chimel says it's going to be a tag team match. I'm like, oh, who could Rikishi team with? And then they play this music. <laughs> I'm so glad it's this guy. It's like I'm saying it wrong, but I was like, who is this? And I look up and I'm like, oh, that's John Cena. I can't. Remember. I forgot that his music was so unbelievably generic and. No, not Rapidu. It wasn't even Word Life. This it wasn't even Word Life, yeah. It should be, I think, just uh, a scant few months uh, later. But, yeah, John comes out, and he's wearing um, North Carolina blue and black this time, not blue and white like the Tar Heel when he was in Charlotte. How have? He's, I think he's got one. I, I'm sure he's probably, like, burned his big pile of tights right now, but I think he has one in, like, every 
he just goes into his creator wrestler and just like clicks on every every it's like a fall guys outfit he just clicks on every variation of uh of what he could be wearing it's amazing possible yes okay i always having watched john cena since these early age stages i always presumed when i saw him wearing the jorts that he was wearing these kind of tights underneath Right, yeah. I don't know if it's logical or not. I just always presume that. I think he's so, just wearing Under Armour um, underwear because you that's can probably see more it likely sometimes. Um, so they're, fa- they're 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 against Devon and Batista, and yes. they show in the previous week, and you probably mentioned it. There was some dissension with the Deacon. There's some yes, dissension there is. in well, the ranks. The weirdest thing about this is that in the middle of uh, Funaki being molested by Nidia, a totally random segment. You have what appears to be them breaking up, but in fact they did not break up because they're here now. So they're still together even if they are mad. It was a and good thing be- too because there was a you could hear the argument in the background, and you're like, are people yes. actually arguing backstage? And they shouldn't be. There's a segment going on. What's going on? You're like uncomfortable uh, for the show. You're like, oh, they didn't keep, keep, cut that out. That sucks. Oh no. Yeah, but then yeah, uh, D-Lung is thrown in, and Batista's towering over him. They do mention too that Cena beat Devon on Velocity, which must have been the week before. Yes. Yeah. Well, Devon is just taking L's left and right. Uh, he's not exactly uh, equi- did he win a single match as the Deacon? Like he's losing all the time. He did earlier, but I think we've established pretty firmly that the Reverend Devon is firmly in the lose position. He is not being pushed. This is not lasting any longer. Also, got to say, none of my arguments have ever ended with me throwing a guy into another room and then next week I'm like, I'm kind of still cool with that guy. I was gonna say that um, <laughs> earlier when Rikishi came out, uh, there was a sign that said Rikishi World's Strongest Can, and it took me like ten seconds to figure out what that sign meant. Like his can is in butt? Yes, thank you. Exactly that. So his can is in butt. I just love the idea of somebody being like, I have a Rikishi sign these people will put on television. You guys are going to be so proud of me. It's like when I had a Rodney Mack sign at uh, Monday Night Raw, but he didn't uh, come out for that episode. He didn't do the white boy challenge. Rodney Mack. <laughs> There's a there we go. If we were doing the doing the raw, you know, not six because they're well, they, that's uh, there's more problems with raw than we can even get into. And it's because of Eric Bischoff because he's a real nasty. Jerk. He's not as great as Stephanie McMahon. What a boss. Exactly. That's my boss. Taz's boss, boss, Stephanie McMahon. Um, So Devon goes for a sunset flip on Rikishi. And so this is an instance of a move a guy never does unless they face Rikishi. It's the same way if you try to powerbomb Billy Kidman. If you never powerbomb anyone, you try to powerbomb Billy Kidman, he does the kind of face bust reversal out of it. If you never do a sunset flip, you got to do it here so Rikishi can try to sit on you. Yeah, and you got to move, or else you, you could die. Oh, just straight like, up die. Yeah, your chest you will collapse. Fast enough, or move too fast. Well, if you get your head in there. Yeah. Well, the, the, the other thing is that that would just go. That would your, your head would just disappear. So Batista comes in. The commentators start talking of Dave's stats. He's two seventy five. You know, they're all very excited about that. So Rikishi hits <laughs> this big kind of this hip move. This hip. I don't know. Hip drops. Maybe not the right word, but kind of like a hip hip hit. Mm-hmm. And Batista lands in the corner. And uh, Devon tries to save, and he fails, but he succeeds a second time. He, he rescues Batista from his fate. So uh, Cena takes Batista out with a dropkick, and I go, oh, look at that. John Cena and Batista just wrestling each other when they weren't anything. And yeah, a couple years later, been... it's like main yeah. event. <laughs> well, they, they'd both win like their first word, world title on the same WrestleMania and both yeah. essentially be crowned. Well, you know, they tied in the Royal Rumble in 2005. That's right. So it's hilarious to see just an absolute nothing match. These two guys doing that. So yeah. the uh, the mid-card king of SmackDown, Rikishi, he gets a stink face on Devon. But then he Batista is. beats him up. And then Devon yes, hits, yeah. uh, hits Cena with his elevator reverse DDT, which I thought looked really cool. And I wonder if maybe that was a finisher he was using at the time. I think Again, it was. he's firmly losing at this point. So he's not, he's not hitting his finisher a lot for us to have a good sense of that. So Batista is scolded by Devon. 
Uh, and so Devon gets hit with just a classic Batista spine buster. And yeah. Batista leaves. Yeah. And so now this is official. These guys are definitely through. They've got to be. Yeah. Cena and Rikishi are confused. Rikishi drags Devon to the corner and he gets a sumo drop. Michael Cole yells Rump out. Shaker. It's rump shaking time, says Michael Cole. It is rump shaking which... time. Oh, uh, man. First at a boss time. Yeah, I mean. It quite it, boss time. It's boss time. I wish he said that every time. He might have said that every time he comes out. But you just like, you can just see the note paper that it's written on when he says that. You're just like, okay, Rikishi's going to win. You got to say it's rump shaking time. You got to get that phrase over. It's going to happen. I think Sasha like interfered in a match recently. And he, he she, her music didn't play. He was just like, oh, it, it's boss time. Like, my Gotta God. say it. Gotta, I guess you gotta say it. Uh, you know, I, I, does he say that too? <laughs> she's like, Michael, stop saying that to me. He sees a picture. Uh, he, sees, he sees like a picture of her just on social media. He's at home. He just says it to himself in his car. He's watching Raw have, later in the week. Did, did, did Devon and Batista ever have like a blow off match for this? Maybe, uh, uh, maybe I'm forthcoming. Forthcoming. Oh, it is forthcoming. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering, I was yeah. like, it should be on, it should be on SummerSlam, which will uh, run down the entire yeah. thing soon. But yeah, well, it may be on heat or something like that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so that that match will also serve as a departure for one of those individuals from the show. They will be um, ejected from SmackDown and placed in a pretty decent position on Raw, I'll say that. So we will get to it in the weeks to come. Well, can you guess who I'm talking decent. about? Yeah, I can guess who you're talking about now. As soon yeah. as you said pretty decent, I was like, well. Yeah, I well, think... I mean, you can imagine like kind of the evolution of what I, the words I was using. There. Ah, yes, of course. Yeah. It's, it yeah. wasn't a mystery. No, it it's not. A mystery. No. I mean, it was a change that no one saw. Yeah, exactly. So we go backstage. Nidia is getting pumped up by Jamie Noble. And then yeah, he, he, he makes Nidia flash a gross old man backstage. I and mean, she doesn't quite urges well. her to. Yes. She's, I think, think she's, she's begging to do it. So he's yeah. like, hey, old timer. He calls him old timer. Uh, it's, it's he's so gross looking. I don't recall <laughs> Nidia being this into flashing people. I just remember Noble in the gum, but there's definitely the the uh, they really got they try to get their mileage out of uh, here's this kind of titillating uh, starlet here who can uh, be trashy uh, and show off to people. Yeah, so just, I remember the gum. I remember the the uh, the the constant constant making out, uh, and then, then Jamie's constantly like, Nidia, why did he do that thing there? Yeah, oh, I love it. So uh, it's Nidia versus Molly Holly. Uh, Michael Cole says viewer discretion is advised, which yes, he does. Is, Definitely played as though he's like maybe don't watch this, but obviously that means please, please, please watch this. That reminds me on uh, on Dynamite when they have yeah. like picture in picture commercial and it's on TSN and it's like the following program may contain scenes that are unsuitable for some viewers. You mean this the show that's on TV at the same time you're showing this warning? Okay, because right. it's, it's it's a picture in picture match, so you're just seeing guys get right. beat up and it's like don't be watching what you're watching right now. Viewer discretion is advised. Yeah. It's like, okay, currently currently watching. Carolina, so, it's, it's on the television. Yeah. So Molly Holly's ring attire, uh, I, this is where I want to bring it up. It, it, she's just wearing business casual outfit. She looks like she works at HR in literally any corporation. Well, she's wearing like like um, crushed velvet pants, I guess, which would, I think, if she were, you know, if Nitty were wearing the same thing, they'd probably say juicy on it. But uh, <laughs> Molly Holly, I think, maybe had it undazzled somehow. Uh, yeah, no, this Cole is... also says there's going to be some full frontal, and that that's not what Nitty was promising. No. He's misusing that phrase. No, he, he is not. And I don't, I don't think he knows what it is. And, and Taz, don't Google it. You're at work, bro. Like, don't maybe don't do that right now. Yeah. Um, and also uh, and also Cole says uh, she's a uh, I think of, of Molly says she's a raw talent. And Taz goes, she's a raw talent. Show Smackdown. But um, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you OK? Here's a th- here's a question, because we're never going to have a chance to talk about this again. What do you think of the women's belt here? The women's championship? Uh, it's fine. I mean, the women's belts yeah. never looked like any it never looked like anything good. 
pretty much until they I'd say turn ever. the fight just into the old WWE titles, right? I think those look great now. Those look those look fine. I I, I don't love those those title designs. Oh, really? I guess I like what they do in NXT most because the NXT belts to me look like belts, like they look like wrestling yes. belts to me. I don't know. I don't like so much the 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 championship ring belts that they have on the main roster i know i mean they're they're cool enough but I get um, that. i'm a little bit i i, I see they're not I gold go, enough to me I, I, I want gold i want like big gold like AEW almost overdid it yes. uh but i like nxt's um wrestling nxt's belts, world title belts. is the best i would say that's like because you know why is because NXT's well, it was the, the biggest improvement too because their first oh title gosh, looked like horrible. garbage uh, if you you, know, if you ever want to start watching NXT, a good time to start doing it is when they change the belt over because there's a good little period there with Bobby Roode. You get Asuka in there. 2017, I recommend it to everybody there. One of the reasons the NXT title looks so good, if you look at it next to the big gold belt, the old WCW title, it's clearly the exact same shape. Yeah, and so they just kind of just WCW. Like it's so it's such so funny. This guy works for WWE when he's so like, I want to do stuff where we have war games. We'll have we'll bring back Halloween Havoc. We'll just bring back all these things we have copyrights for. And so AEW is and he he, it's like part of your mystique, which is not really accurate, is that you like helped kill WCW. But the whole like you must have been crying when you did it because you love you love everything old about it. Like anyway, I love it. Yeah. So yeah, the title. I I was kind of surprised because like for a company that did not take women's wrestling seriously in any measurable amount at this time, I think the women's title like looks pretty decent. Like it's not it like looks, yeah, it looks good. There there like was the some really title later on. That's like a little tramp stamp. Yeah, the butterfly title was never uh, was never cool. Yeah. Uh, so getting into the match, here, there's some lockups. Indeed, gets a roll up for two, and then a pinning combination. Then she gets a matchbook cover. This is all in India. This match. Still in India. Well, well, yeah. So, women's wrestling this time. There's some face shoving. It's a lot of face shoving into the mat. You don't see that in men's wrestling hardly ever. There's a move there, like the face shoving. There's gonna be some um, some hair pulling later on as well. You just don't see it. Uh, this so is, this ca- is one of the wrestlier women's matches, though. I will say. Yes, I would say so, and the most we're gonna see here for sure. <laughs> Compared yeah. to all the women's wrestling matches we will see and have seen from there, uh, oh, we gosh. might see some on velocity. Well, we'll see mm. women's wrestling matches, just not the title. Just to be totally clear. Right. Uh, so Nidia counters a suplex of the small package for two. Uh, again, there's the hair pulling I mentioned earlier. Uh, so Nidia's offense is like 90% roll-ups. And I'm not yeah. sure if I like it or not because she keeps getting frustrated that she's not getting three. And it's like, you're not damaging Molly Holly. You're just rolling her up. Her stamina meter is still is still blue and green. Like, it's still good. She's not like, in danger yet. Look, if I'm Molly, there's not like you haven't discombobulated me or anything like that. Like, I know you're just going to try to roll me up. And so it's like, okay, just to kick out. This won't even be that hard. I mean, Jamie couldn't have taught her a submission. He couldn't have taught her the trailer hitch. What's going trailer on? Hitch, exactly. Why not? Do yeah. variation on it if you need to. So, yeah. Um, she, Molly Holly's at the top. She kicks away Jamie Noble and then she hits a Molly Girl round for three. And, folks, that is it for the women's championship on this podcast. <laughs> Molly Holly wins the Molly Girl round, which looks good. Molly's great. She's Tegan Knox's favorite wrestler right now, or fam- favorite Ooh, that, uh, women's wrestler. That actually makes me like Tegan Knox at all. Uh, yeah. So, that's. Uh, and Tegan Knox's favorite wrestler is Kane. That's what oh. she calls herself, Lady Kane. She oh, always hit, tries to hit a choke slam, much like the Hurricane. There you go. Uh, yeah. And so after the match, Jamie Noble gets on the mic, and he goes, "You know what, Nidia, you should flash the crowd anyway." <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Why not? So then Molly comes in and she drop kicks Noble into Nidia and yells, "Keep your clothes on," which I thought was funny. And that's it. Neither, yeah. Neither Noble or Nidia are all that hurt. There's no real reason why they couldn't just do it anyway. <laughs> but because Nidia, it's wrestling, uh, it's wrestling. Well, I got in there. Yeah, yeah. it's like, well, you're gonna do something, and then someone smacked you, and you're like, yeah, holding then... your face, gr- grimacing. Uh, and then so uh, Stephanie McMahon comes out, 
and you hear the I'm all grown up now song. That's a smackdown I, pop right there, it, too. Oh, oh yeah, I, I believe that. Uh, as if Fayetteville is like, yes, good, Stephanie. She's Taz's boss. She is here. Uh, <laughs> and I got to say, she looks like she would be Molly, Bo- Molly Holly's boss of the firm. Like, she seems like she would, like, Molly Holly would, like, introduce her at an investor's meeting. Because that's, that's the vibe I'm getting from her. Yeah. I reminded again that uh, Stephanie really does kind of screech when she tries to talk loudly. I used to, like, have a cross with Stephanie. Some people said she was screechy. I was like, you guys are goofs. But she, that's what she, that's how she speaks. Yeah, um, she's just, she gets loud. She goes, meh. She's, she's screechy. Um, so, so talking about SummerSlam. Yes. And she claims that SmackDown is going to steal the show, which is, the leads show. to a video factor for SummerSlam. Yeah. And it's funny because it leads with Triple H versus uh, Shawn Michaels. That's the SmackDown's first going to steal the show. So let's watch the best match <laughs> like on that's from the other show. Yeah. It's going to be the first match we're going to see here in this video package. Which will end up uh, being more or less the best show on there. And so... I don't. There was a line in this video that I I had such a vivid memory of it as soon as it came up. It was Triple H. He's on a he's doing a promo against Tri, uh, Shawn Michaels and he says, "You can't wrestle anymore." Yeah, really I like, stole that line for a, a church match uh, a couple months later. I said HBK is dead, and I was talking about our dear brother Alex, who's not oh, dead Alex. in any way, shape, or form. Thankfully, uh, you can't yeah, wrestle this, anymore. I said you can't wrestle anymore. Yeah. So they've run down this whole card. Yeah. When did they make Edge versus Eddie? Was that always a match or did they just I don't remember it being officially announced. I don't like it, it was bubbling in the weeks before, but I don't think they ever came up and said they, they very well could have last week casually just mentioned, oh, yeah, they're going to face each other at SummerSlam. Yeah. And then there's another thing in this video package. Yeah. Where blood or Brock mentions like the blood of Hulk Hogan is on my hands. And that's so, so, I'm paraphrasing. Obviously, the blood of Hulkamania is on my hands and I'm going to make Rock bleed. He never says that. That's not that's not from like in the last that's few not weeks. from anything. No, I, I watched because the week after he beat up Hulk was the, the show before this one. Yeah. And that's when that's when Paul talks over the video package. Right. But I don't think Brock says anything else. He says all Brock says, I think he's like, I ended Hulk, Hulk Hogan's career and I'm going to end your undisputed title reign. And that's all he said. That's it. He didn't say. So this was like added, but it sounded like he was saying it live. Oh, that's and unless funny. I'm crazy. I did not hear him say this. See, this is okay. That's the kind of detail that I think is really interesting because it's just like they're they're essentially they're trying to incept you into thinking that that happened, that you heard this in the weeks before. It's like, nope, we just again in the booth. It was like the, Ronda. The you suck guy. Yeah. Ronda, uh, right before WrestleMania 35 uh, or before another WrestleMania, she said that she was going to beat up somebody at WrestleMania or something. It was when she was it was her and Kurt against Triple H and Stephanie. Right. And she like kind of botched the way she said it. And then when they play the package again and have her saying it, they like fix it. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they're they are incepting. Uh, they it's it's TV, man. It's all I don't want to use the four letter F word, but it is like I'm talking about like every single TV show you see. It's all yeah. fake. Everything is just so um, put together and manufactured, man. It's the editor's medium. Just um, remember that every time you see a reality show where they, they take you inside a house and when they come in, there's already a camera there. And if you think about it for a second, that's insane. That the camera would already be there for you. So it's totally yeah. true. Um, the same with wrestling. At least they do mention yeah. that when Funaki's backstage interviewing Nidia in the women's locker room, like he's back here with a camera. And it's like, yes, okay, so the camera is... Uh, yeah, Funaki yeah. would have to be like, can I get like a camera guy to come with me? I have to go somewhere where no man has gone before. You just like <laughs> sign a guy out, probably, and everything like that. Maybe so. the cameraman was that big, fat security guard. And he was just like... Oh, maybe. Really tra- you know, he's, he's just a jack of all trades. That's it. Well, that's why he's so willing to go in there. He drives so, the truck. Somebody just came out to essentially promo a video package. I don't know why she had to come out to do that, but she did that. 
Yeah, it's, it's like when they show the Brock training video package. They show the Rock, and then they show the video package, and then he's cut back, and the Rock's still like, eh. yeah. like was he just standing there the whole time? Just yeah, like just, eh. just in discomfort for what's two going minutes. on on the show? Are they seeing me do this? No, <laughs> Rock, we're showing a training package of your guy you're facing. Oh, hey, can you let me know when we're live? Because I have a truly insane metaphor to, to use <laughs> up here. It involves my testicle. It's like, do you want to do this? <laughs> Rock, I'll I'll tell you when you're on. But man, do you like? Is that do you really want to say that? Are you sure? Yeah, I got an idea. Okay, Rock. great. So we're we're returning to the uh, Chris Benoit versus Eddie Gu- and Eddie Guerrero rather versus Edge and Rock match what do you here. What about their mashed up uh, theme song, the Latino Heat followed by Our Lady Peace? Well, uh, yes, yeah, so they come out together and like it's it's mostly Chris's music, and this is, this is like what happens. They don't do they never do and then the Latino Heat actual music itself, right? I mean, right, yeah. I guess it's maybe because Eddie is not Intercontinental Champion, but I think it's a little bit rude. You know, at some point, you gotta you gotta figure whose whose music is gonna be prominently. Fa- they should have had a match to determine whose music will be prominently uh, uh, played in the arenas when they go on. Uh, but I don't I don't remember this mashed up theme. No, well, it's funny too because I this also kind of lends credence to the theory I have, which is the whole idea that there was like the SmackDown Six was going to be um, wrestling for the new SmackDown tag titles, and there's like kind of like a whole thought process, and there was kind of a, like a plan behind it. I'm not that sure that's the case because at this point it seems like it's Benoit and Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero specifically, who are a tag team. But they will they will split up into different groups here shortly. Yeah. So it, it seems like a plan at some point was have these two guys stay a team. I don't know what was kind of, kind of in in the thought process. It was just it's funny to think about. I don't know what their plan was here, but yeah, I, it's yeah. interesting to see a plan happening that I don't think comes to fruition ultimately. So. Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman are backstage. They're settling in to watch the match. Uh, and they're Paul watching Heyman, it properly. They're not just standing yes. next to the TV looking at it like this. They're actually, they're comfy. They're, they're straddling the chairs. They're, they're watching the CRT television in the locker room. Yeah. Uh, Heyman's chair is backwards. He looks about to rap with some troubled youth at a high school and be like, yeah, the original hip hop was Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. That's the kind of vibe I'm getting off from there, especially the ponytail. He really seems like he can change some youth. It's a lives. long ponytail at this point, by the oh, way, yeah. it, with several hair bands in it. It's yeah, like... it's it's totally gorgeous. Um, so <laughs> Edge, so Edge runs down to the ring and he immediately attacks the guys without the Rock. And uh, Rock follows like ten seconds later. He throws the belt aside. And I yeah. wonder, it's no one ever like my first thought would be, hmm, there's like a five percent chance if I just throw this belt plate first onto the ground that it will shatter. And I don't know if that's not a possibility. People don't think it's a possibility. I don't know if they think. It's made out of a material that's like it's great like that. But I would just imagine if I threw the belt, I'd be like, knowing my luck, it's gonna land on the floor and crack. Knowing <laughs> <laughs> my luck, well, your well, belt I always know, breaks when I have it. Steve Austin doesn't break it. I always break it. I'd love so, a wrestler like that. Like, yeah, I'm probably gonna break it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you get a match. A, you get a match against Tarkor Hall tonight. I'm probably gonna lose. Yeah, he's, he's so gonna, hardcore good. He's gonna Alabama slam me, isn't he? We want to turn the meat on the mat. So. Um, Michael Cole starts kind of trying to justify some things here. He says, uh, Eddie is extremely jealous of Edge's popularity. And I have to, did I miss something? Like, is that? See, that, that I think that's what, that's what we're missing. No, I don't think it's true. This is, this is like when, uh, in, in the, in Back to the Future 2, when Michael J. Fox is called a chicken and that really bothers him as though that's something that was established in Back to the Future 1 and it never comes up. It's one of the most frustrating kind of movie experiences I've seen where, we're supposed to pretend that uh, he really hates being called a chicken. Anyway, it, some of yeah, things. it is. It is not. It is not done in Back to the Future one. At it all. comes back in Back to the Future three though, as though it was there from the very beginning. As though, Mar- as though Doc was like, "Marty, you're gonna be a chicken and not go to the future or the past <laughs> or whatever." Like it doesn't count. Anyway, 
Don't, don't try to pull something away from me. Pull something off Zemeckis. I know what you're up to, buddy. So, and Michael Cole, don't do the same thing here either. I'm trying yeah. to say he's extremely jealous of Edge's popularity. It's like, Eddie's pretty beloved. Like, it's pretty easy for him to become very popular. But yeah, but not here though, because Eddie and Chris, like, they've been the top guys on the top heels on the show for like a month. They've yeah. been like the top agitators. And it's been like all of a sudden on the show. And it's like, yeah, you guys are in the main event like pretty much every other week. Yeah, we wanted you really bad. See, okay, actually, this is where I want to bring up something that I don't think I've mentioned in weeks before. And so we've alluded to it, you and I will, uh, I think on our first episode, where we talked about that Paul Heyman was the guy who is booking the show at this point. Yeah, as I mentioned, he's the guy who... He's the guy who's laying everything out. Having to do all the ADR, yeah. He's deciding on all the guys to push. And um, he's he's a really central figure to this whole this whole podcast really because he sets up that there's essentially six guys who can have any combination of matches and they're amazing. We're going to see that as you, especially as we progress into the fall here of 2002 where it's just, it's lights out, but something, so the, the interesting kind of backstage thing for this that I found out in the year since this is that even though there was a, a, a draft on raw and SmackDown in early 2002 to make all this stuff happen, there was an actual like draft kind of conversation situation backstage where they actually had boards kind of figured out and they had to figure out who gets who and so when Heyman took over he was like okay I really want to have Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit on my show and essentially the deal for that was like you can do that but you can't also have Chris Jericho which is why early on in this summer we see Chris Jericho leave Smackdown and go to Raw because essentially right before the first episode of this podcast right yeah exactly right before that there's that cage match that happened there so yes 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 so that is like an actual thing here where Benoit and Guerrero being the kind of mainstays of the show is very intentional because that's like a deal they actually had to make in real life backstage for that. So anyway, to the match. Edge hits Benoit with his big flapjack and he gets two. So Eddie comes in the ring to draw out the rock who distracts the ref and they lost this, this great two on one. So Eddie tags in, he gets his helo, that great flipping senton that he did. And this is where I'm noticing Edge's tights for two reasons. Uh, Edge's tights are purple, a very purple purple. And I think they look weird. And I also think they're slightly ripped in the butt. Oh, are they? I didn't I notice think this. So there's a the, the way that it stretches right where the seams meet looks like Edge might have split his, his pants. I think bit. I think Jamie Noble should have come out and be like, look, we promised you skin. Exactly. Here it is. Yeah. If he, if he bends over a few more times, you're going to see it. So that's, that's right. Yeah. Jamie Noble comes out for that. Uh, Chris Benoit, of course, has cartoon Wolverines on his tights and they look bad. Yeah, they they said they never figured it out with him. Just put the they, when they when they put like just like slashes on it, it was yeah. fine. But the cartoon Wolverine. How, like well, how how about this? You do you do his tights, and then you just do like sublimated patterns in there. Do like uh like like they do on some NFL jerseys. Like just have like it's blue, and it's like darker blue here, and that's all it is. Anyway, that's me going back to that's the one thing I would correct about Chris Benoit. Lord, Lord, if only. But um, <laughs> if, okay, if only, so... if only, man. Yeah, uh, so, there's a there's a cool thing that Eddie does here where he's got hmm. like his foot on um I can't remember whose face it was on probably Edge's yeah. uh he got his foot on Edge's face and he just like spins mm-hmm. so like the sole of his boot is is twisting his his nose around uh it's like that's a cool move that nobody does I like that mercy move as well there's, is a, it? there's a move on no mercy where you uh, you press any of the top of their head and you jump up with both feet and you press both feet into the face and push oh, yeah. side. I think people do that. Yeah. I think that's a cruiserweight move. It's, I mean, the idea that someone would step with, with their full weight on your face and kind of smush it out is so insane. <laughs> so Edge evades a, a brain buster. He hits a cross body at the same time as Eddie. They both go down. Oh, There's hot tags on. to Benoit and Rock. Rock is yeah. on fire. He's cleaning the house. 
In DDT, he tosses Eddie out. He hits yeah. a sharpshooter on Benoit. That's broken up by Eddie. He snaps really quickly, too. Yes. It's, he does it with, with great, great, great authority, great drive, great seal. Ways to be. Sorry, that was a bad Booker T. Oh, my gosh. I thought it was Taz there for a second there. So <laughs> Rock hits a people's elbow on Eddie, which is broken up by uh, Chris Benoit. I got to say. All the Rock spots are in. Yeah. A standing elbow drop probably shouldn't have put Eddie away anyway, even though they kind of. I realized in watching this stuff later on, that they kind of treat the people's elbow like it's actually a devastating move, which is like. Oh, they do. It, it finishes people. But that's the. like. That's especially dumb because, like, it's almost the joke of the move is it's so exaggerated and dumb that it's, like, kind of a heel move. Like, you should get two off it and look surprised. Not, like... Wasn't it invented for, like, to, to make Eddie laugh or something? It was invented to make somebody laugh, I remember. Well, I mean, like, he... Gosh. But, uh, the People's Elbow existed in, like, I don't know, 98, 99, probably? Like, it was a while ago. Yeah, that was the, that was a nation move for sure. See, like, I've seen The Rock do The Rock Bottom in Fast and Furious movies. When is he going to pull out a People's Elbow? Just a real exaggerated spine buster turns around to nobody, kicks <laughs> the guy's arm, throws her an elbow band. He doesn't have elbow pad off, runs the <laughs> knot ropes. That's the real There you go, Rock. If you're really proud of your wrestling career, you should do that. So Benoit uh, tangles with the Rock outside. He puts the he knocks his head off the announce table, head off the post. Um, at this point, like there's so he's he's beating up the Rock so much. I, I'm just wondering, like, is Edge dead somewhere? Because yes. Edge has done nothing. Yeah, and Edge we, dead. Yeah, we shortly see we see him on the the apron looking just like a dead guy. So, and the actual dead guy, Chris Benoit here, gets Rock uh, with a crossface in the middle of the ring. Yeah. He crawls towards the ropes, and we see that Eddie Guerrero is using his whole body to hold the rope away from Rock, which is great detail for a heel. It's really only a few inches, uh, but it's worth it. It, it is it is one of those silly wrestling things. It's like, it, it wouldn't make that much of a difference, and it actually doesn't, because eventually Rock just grabs it. He does uh, get it. Even with Ed, Eddie pulling it, but Eddie pulling it, and looking at the ref, because um, this isn't a, a tap out situation, this is a pass out situation. Yes. So Rock gets the arm lifted for the, for three times, and it's the great thing where Eddie's like looking, he's like anticipating, and then Rock arms arm stays up, and Eddie just like freak, you know, wrestling right, freaks out. Oh, so good. I, I gotta say too, um, could the ref actually get mad at him for doing that? He could admonish him. Y'all can kick him off as, the rope for sure. I don't know if you're really doing you're over there. You can grab the rope as far as I'm concerned. So tag team wrestling is always a little schmozzy, right? Yeah. Like it's always there's always something going on. So Benoit puts Rock back in the crossface, but then Edge perks up and he breaks it up. <laughs> well. So Eddie, Eddie tags Eddie goes for a frog splash on Rock, but then Egg uh, Edge drives his legs. Egg. He Edge drives his leg and call them egg. Yeah. Um her. Uh, I like a tag match. I gotta say, I like a tag match where they're both guys get to be the baby faces in peril because it makes the match feel more substantial. You usually only get one. This one, Edge is the guy who needs to get saved, and then Rocky's the guy who gets to get saved. It means we yeah. get, you know, we put some time behind these gentlemen, which mm -hmm. is good. Yeah. So Edge throws Benoit into a corner and spears him. I, for whatever reason, if you get thrown into this corner and speared, it hurts way less than if you just get speared in uh, a regular circumstance. Like, this happens constantly, where he throws guys in the corner and spears them, and it's not as bad as if he did it just, like, in the uh, kind of the open space of the field that is the ring. Yeah, they, they, they do mention that um, that, like, a, is a spear-type move. Yeah, it's, like, like, well, it's pretty. He's doing literally the exact same move as a spear. He just is against a turnbuckle. Maybe it hurt yeah. more in theory. Yeah. Um, so Eddie is next, but he evades the spear. But then Edge hits the inverted DDT. It's broken up. And then Benoit gets rock bottom. Eddie gets speared and he gets pinned for the win. Yeah. So, so. after the match, Brock comes out and he confronts both Rock and Edge. And so Rock uh, gets Edge to kind of stand down at his request. Edge is ready to kind of stand up with him. Let's do it. Then we have a stare down, which inevitably, as promised at the beginning of the top of the show here, it comes to blows. And so Brock, does. 
He does. He hits him. Uh, Brock hits some shoulders in the corner. Brock responds to these huge punches, including one that sends Brock flying over the top. Thank you. Brock's Brock. got such crazy hops. His, oh, his Brock's selling when he's when he's when he's wheeling back is so um, it's so it, it feels so enormous because he's so enormous. When he yeah. gets hit, he's like and like, you know, he's like once he gets close to the rope, Brock's going to spit in his hand and hit him. and He's going to go just flying, flop, flying out of the ring. Yeah, it's beautiful. And then uh, as as Brock is going to the floor there, Brock just is insanely intense. He's doing the just bring it hand, but he's doing it like like he can he can fold the world with that hand. He's just doing such an intense move with it, which I love. Well, when they and, were facing down, he said, just bring it in such a big way that the crowd like said it with him. Yes, like, which is badass. Just bring it. <laughs> it's like such huge. Like, I think I can see what he's saying. Yes. From, like the top row. Taz yells, Sunday can't get here quick enough. And I have to Dang. agree, Taz, it was a good build, man. They did good it's stuff. Good build to probably, you know, the, the, they are saying it's like the biggest SummerSlam ever, the most important. They're all, they're they're not wrong. They're not uh, altogether wrong with the 2002. I mean, it's it's a great show, and we're I'm really glad we got to do this, the go home show. So, Will, we're going to talk about final thoughts here. Speaking of just bring it, I'm going to remind people of the way that we rate these shows are inspired by the SmackDown video games. That's right. And so a just bring it is a rating, which would mean uh, I want to watch this. That'd be kind of like your thumbs up. The other ratings, of course, are shut your mouth, which is like, eh, I'm not going to say anything about it. Eh. And then the other one, which is bad, is here comes the pains. That would be if we watched a fully bad show. So, Will, is this a just bring it, a shut your mouth, or a here comes the pain? Uh, Yeah, I call this a just bring it. Yeah. I, I think it was like a, a a very good SmackDown, an excellent main event, a very nice surprise match, like right in the middle. Um, you know, things are happening. Uh, Storylines are being uh, progressed. Uh, characters are changing. The move, um, the buildup is good. The buildup uh, to a big show is um, not including the big show. Correct. Is 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 really good. Yeah, and um, it. Uh, you know, I I guess it can't be understated how big Rock Brock is. Um, oh, huge! Yeah, it's it's massive, and it's um, yeah. I thought it was a great go home show, and you and you thought so too. I thought so too. Yeah, I would say it was a just bring it. Uh, I think that there's some uh, some good substantial wrestling in there, even if there's some dumb stuff sprinkled in. I mean, I'm, I'm wrestling for you too, though. Well, exactly. I'm willing to forgive it. Some stuff. Yeah. Sometimes there's shows where it's great. Um, I liked it better a few weeks ago when it was like Nidia Noble came out and made out with Michael Cole for insane character reasons. I enjoyed that a bit more. But sure. um, yeah, I'm going to say it's a just bring it for sure. And so that brings us to next week's show, which is SummerSlam 2002. And so I need oh. to do some programming notes here. Okay. Which is that next week on the show, we'll be covering uh, SmackDown. We'll be covering SummerSlam at 2002. But we're specifically covering the SmackDown matches because. This is a SmackDown podcast, and I will probably at least I will probably inform people at least of uh, the results of the Raw matches. But for our purposes here, we're going to hit the SmackDown matches, which is Angle Mysterio, uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero versus Edge, Chris Benoit versus RVD. But you can only report on that match if one if one of the guys wins. It can only be if Chris Benoit wins. If if RVD wins, you can't talk about it. Well, spoilers, then I wouldn't be able to talk about it. But we're going to talk about that one anyway. Right. And then, of course, uh, Brock Rock, which is the uh, SummerSlam 2002 main event. So if you're uh, watching along with us, you can watch either just those matches or you can watch the whole thing because there's other good stuff in there like uh, Test Undertaker. Just I was going to say, I can't. I, fr- I completely <laughs> forgot that match was uh, was in there. Yeah. Uh, I am I, I, looking forward to rewatching that show, though. I don't remember what uh, Jericho and Ric Flair was like, but I'm sure it was. Wonderful. I don't either, but it doesn't bode well that I don't remember it because I remember Angle, um, Angle Ray pretty well. Because it started the show. Ray. 
uh, sorry, Triple H, uh, Sean, uh, Sean Michaels, pretty well. I mean, obviously, it was a huge match. And then Rock Brock, I've actually seen Rock Brock like probably eight times. Oh, wow. Such, well, it's such a, I mean, it's like kind of a great match. Like, it's kind of like totally ideal. Uh, uh, yeah. And also, never mind. You, you can say it on the, on the SummerSlam show, but I remember the crowd being a certain way about a certain guy on that show. Yes. Well, there we go. I'm going to pay a special, extra special close attention to that. Well, it's in and, the match yeah, so, we just mentioned, but yeah. Exactly. So, uh, folks, SummerSlam 2002, it's coming next week. It's the first pay-per-view we get to cover on the show, which I'm excited to do. It's a great pay-per-view, one that I love. I have great memories of it, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys. Thank you so much for listening to the SmackDown 6 podcast. You guys are great. We're going to keep going. Next week, SummerSlam 2002. Will, thank you for joining me tonight, man. I oh, thank you so much for having me. Like I said, I couldn't talk wrestling for forever. So I uh, appreciate our listeners staying with us for the duration of this show, which lasted longer than the show we are talking about. Just about, folks. That's right. Well, we get digressions in there. So that's the SmackDown yes. 6 Paramount. So you get to do you that. You get some Tom McGee nuggets in there. That's right. Um, so yeah, folks, that's going to do it for us. We will see you next week for SummerSlam 2002. Peace.